Round one, fight. Heroes never die. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite store on the Citadel. <laughs> I used to be an adventurer like you. Then I took an arrow in the knee. Power, sex, sex, power. They both come down to one thing. Hungry Gamers. Hello, 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 and welcome everybody to the 294th episode of the Hungry Gamers podcast. We are powered by Apid.net and those sexy, sexy legends over at Audio Technica. Be sure to check out their website and get yourself the best in audio-based equipment as soon as you can. I'm your extremely humble host, Brendan White. You can find me just about everywhere at Brendan8Bits. And joining me today, it's two very special guests. One that you are very familiar with, obviously, my podcast, Ride or Die, who you can find on them socials, at Miss Ali Hearts. And my second very special guest, making his global podcast debut, friend of the show who can be found at JT Culverhouse, James. Welcome to the show, my friend. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks, Brendan. Hey, Ali. Uh, yeah, it's hey. uh, yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me along. Not a problem. So yeah, it's been a long time coming. Obviously, you were the the lucky winner of our uh, end of year Christmas extravaganza last year, and uh, you know we're always late but worth the wait. I think we say here on THG, and uh, you know scheduling and life and everything just uh, made made things sort of blow out from a timeline perspective but we thought we could have a bit of fun and even though we're now officially out of july we're in august now we thought we'd do a bit of a christmas in july a bit of a mid-year in review and, and talk about uh the things that we've we've played and watched that have come out this year or we've experienced this year that we're really loving and then also then look forward a little bit and things that we're excited to sort of play and watch and everything else in between that is still slated for a 2022 release so i thought it could be something different than the usual thg news and reviews but uh i think we could start things off james and Get a little bit about yourself, and we thought, uh, you know, we'll throw the microphone over over to you, and you can uh, tell us about your gaming origin story. Okay, so yeah, I, I guess what you call a mature age gamer. So my first gaming experience was actually uh, Pong on the TV back in the late seventies, I suppose. Uh, so that was uh, just had a single paddle for a controller, and you turn the paddle anti-clockwise or clockwise to actually move the rectangle up and down to hit hit this little square dot back and forth um then went on to an atari 2600 which I'm, I'm sure some of you are familiar with um cartridge based pretty pretty damn impressive for the time uh in terms of pc i had a i thought it was a clone a pc clone but i found out later that it was only a compatible it was the sanyo mbc 550 so this was a compatible which machine, which meant that hardly any of the PC games worked on it. <laughs> so I was, I was limited to uh, their own in-house development uh, games for most part. The one being most memorable at the time was a, a sort of a platform game called Time Bandits. Um, but yeah, it was a bit disappointing because I was a bit of a flight sim nut. Uh, way back in the early to mid 80s when Flight Sim 1 and 2 came out uh, and I couldn't play it. (laughs) (laughs) So I had to wait to get a proper PC compatible in the mid 80s to be able to play my beloved Flight Sim. Um, But yeah, that's how I sort of kicked off with, uh, with gaming. 
So how, how did you feel for those years, almost like staring through the, the window from outside of the, of the house, watching these people play the flight sim games that you were just hankering for <laughs> and wanting to get your hands on and just sitting there, you know, singular tear down the cheek waiting because yeah. this Sanyo MBC 550 couldn't cut the mustard? You know, there was no internet. There was <laughs> bulletin boards weren't even really that, that big back then. So it was kind of, I was looking at screenshots in magazines you know, going, I wish I could play this, you know, <laughs> and it just, you know, it, thankfully my parents uh, supported me in my upgrades. Uh, so around 1986, I was able to pick up a proper uh, PCXT um, and it allowed me to play Flight Sim 2 in four colors. So I was blown away, of course. Four colors. Yes. They called it CGA. So uh, composite graphics adapter. So that's, four colors. That's, that's so great. And that's like, um, you know, we, we, we consider ourselves at times elder gamers, you know, where we, we make fun of the, the, in air quotes, the kids these days. And, and the youth. Yeah, they, the ha- youth. They, they have it pretty good these days, I think. <laughs> yeah, like, like if you were to tell a kid these days that they would be playing a game that has four colors, they'd probably slap you and, and hurl some kind of abuse at you and then, you know, dab and then run away. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the, and the funny thing is the four colors... We we couldn't afford a uh, four color monitor, so it was a, it was an amber monitor when I was playing Flight Sim Two. So I couldn't really see four colors anyway; just different different shades of amber. Damn, that's tough. You're missing out on that graphical fidelity back there. <laughs> yeah, the the resolution was uh, 320 by 200, I think, at the time. Oh, so you know, it's like what SIF SIF resolution, I think, or maybe two SIF. It's uh, yeah, you know, that's that's not a whole amount of pixels, listeners, as as compared to you know four and eight K and everything else that's sort of becoming native across a lot of PC and and console hardware. So if we were to sort of take that sort of start point and then that that pivot point there in 86 when you finally got to play this flight, flight simulator game and, and the four colors on the amber screen if we sort of fast forward to sort of now what's what's your what's your current gaming rotation like have you got the consoles are you primarily on pc what are you what are you sort of uh you know spending your time playing on these days james uh, i actually uh i'm pretty spoiled uh being being the i guess the adult gamer I basically buy most most of the things. So I have a PS5, oh, yeah. have a Xbox Series X, have a PC with a RTX 3070. Um, so, you know, mid-range PC. And, of course, the Quest 2 for VR. So um, the only thing I don't have, and I do this intentionally, is a Switch. Because if I bought a Switch, I don't think I'd do anything else in my life. <laughs> I, like... As it is, you know, I've already got all this other tech and um, I've got real life as well. So if I bought a Switch, you basically would never see me. (laughs) (laughs) I think uh, that's very relatable, right, Alex? Uh, Yeah, but you kind of get spoiled for choice. Like as a person who has like all the consoles and still only plays mostly on PC, it just sits there. I had a PlayStation that collected dust for like the longest time, so... Yeah. Sometimes it's too much choice. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, and that's the problem. When you have too much choice, you don't tend to finish any game, whereas in, nope. the, <laughs> in the early days, you could actually finish your game and look forward to the next one. But mm-hmm. um, I've sort of been more on PC lately, uh, but predominantly I, I reside on the Xbox, uh, for, particularly for multiplayer. It's just easier to set up, yeah. Music so. to Brendan's ears. <laughs> yeah, but like, like you both said, it's it, you sort of feel bad because 
when you do have the 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 suite of tools at your disposal, there's always a platform or two that's going to get neglected. And like, I'm I'm with James. Like, I'm I'm primarily on the Xbox. Like, I just bought a nice new gaming PC, and all I've played on it since I've had this PC for a few months now is about two hours worth of Apex Legends, and the rest of the time it's just to do emails and do podcasting like this. So it's always the Xbox. The PlayStation 5 also gets neglected. Like I played Stray through the other day, but outside of that, it's just been sort of hanging out, doing its own thing as well. And it's, it's you know, it's first world problems. So like we're yeah. not here saying this for sympathy, <laughs> but like, yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Yeah, yeah so PlayStation 5 for me is uh, Gran Turismo 7 because I do like my racing games and um, and Demon's Souls because that wasn't really available on uh, any other platform. I am... Um, a fan of the last of us the original game uh so um looking forward to the i guess they call it a remake it's not a remaster because we've already had that yeah. um and i hope they don't change it too much being a remake i hope i hope they keep the story pretty intact uh but yes um i know i know i'm not i know there's a lot of people that like last of us but not everyone here necessarily uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> And yeah, um, I bought the PC, mid-range PC to uh, play the PC VR experiences more than uh, pancake games or TV games, though the crew too has been holding my attention lately on PC. So Nice, nice. So when, when you're talking The Last of Us, does that mean you haven't played part, you, have you played part two as well? Have you played yes. through the full? Ex- okay. okay. I have. I have. Um, story-wise, I didn't think it, it held up nearly as well. Um, to the first game uh i liked joel as a character and i'll say no more uh to avoid spoilers but uh yeah the last of us part two was the mechanics were better uh the gaming mechanics were definitely better the the open world nature with some of the level design was fantastic um and i did like you know i did like uh some of the story it's just i didn't think it was as good as the first Mm. that's fair it's fair like it's it's a fantastic game and a fantastic sequel and there there is some criticisms there to be had on some of the storytelling and and the the veering of the narrative compared to one where i guess because they're trying to introduce so many different characters and have like those the parallel story where you sort of i guess lose some of the emotional weight of some of those big payoffs or or big trauma turn points in the game but uh yeah i'm I'm excited to go back and play one again uh, when we get the when we get the remake so that'll be interesting but um if we're still talking about games you enjoy maybe we could sort of shift the shift the discussion here to maybe some of your favorite games of all time so not necessarily something that's 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 current if it's current awesome but what um you know looking back through your entire gaming history what's some of your favorites there james yeah thanks uh (laughs) Yeah, it was actually quite quite uh, quite interesting, but I keep coming back to, like I said, I've been a bit of a racing game fan, both in the arcade space as well as uh, the sim racing space. The one that keeps coming back to me to that I kind of looking forward to because they're releasing another one soon is Test Drive Unlimited. It came out on the um, Xbox 360, the PS, what was it, two? Wow, PS2. Um, and the PC uh, a year or so later, so it came out around 2006. Uh, it was it wasn't quite a launch title for the 360, but it was pretty close. Uh, it had sort of a very early open MMO mini MMO world uh, where you and sort of seven other players could 
roam around basically uh, at any one point in time. Um, I really enjoyed it because of, I guess the it was they tried to sort of go one to one scale with um, Oahu in Hawaii. So um, uh, yeah, it was it was really impressive with what they achieved with that game. I thought it also introduced the social elements like um, being able to invite friends over to your virtual house, um, show off your virtual house because you could buy furniture and, and sort of mod it up a bit, uh, as well as the cars, of course, you could um, have your garages and all that sort of stuff to show off the cars. It also had bikes, which um, at the time, usually bikes were sort of centered around standalone games, like, you know, MotoGP type stuff. Uh, so to have that in a arcade racing game was very, very cool. So yeah, that's um, that's one of them. Miss Hart, do you think you'd, you'd go back to to play with that? Because I saw your eyes lighting up because it's like <laughs> going through the shopping list as as far as Miss Hart's favorite gaming habits with like customizing homes and open world arcade races with some insanity thrown in. And, and well, I was watching. Uh, like, oh, okay, I was like, oh, because I'm curious. Did you play um, Forza um, Horizon? Oh yes, yes, yes. And For- did you? I've played all the Forzas, Motorsport and Horizon. Yep. Did you enjoy that? Because that's like the only driving game that's actually won me. <laughs> I, I, did, I did enjoy it. Um, I thought graphically it was really impressive, um, but it was pretty restrictive in terms of the map. And like to give you some sense of scale, um, like I said, it was almost a one-to-one scale for um, Hawaii, the main island. So it's it was impressive. You could, you know, drive 20 or 30 minutes in one direction, um, you know, and finally reach the end. Uh, whereas Forza Horizon um, has lots to do and and is graphically very impressive, but much smaller map. Um, yeah. And, you know, they haven't really, they've introduced houses in Forza, in the Forza games, but you can't sort of modify them in any way. GTA 5 did that with their online. Like you could definitely sort of, buy your, your apartment and and all that sort of stuff but it just didn't feel even to this day it just doesn't feel as good as as uh test drive unlimited which is why i'm excited of course for uh this is a different slightly different segue but why i'm excited for test drive solar crown it's out in 2023 um i'm hoping they retain a lot of what they did with the original test drive unlimited i'll have to look into it mm. yeah styling a house and inviting friends over yeah, Other it was so it cool. Like, what it was, cars? It was really, <laughs> and just cruising around, like just together cruising around and having ad hoc races because you could just challenge a, a friend to a you know quick one-on-one race and stuff like that, which they do do now, obviously, with the Horizon yeah. games and all that sort of stuff. But, yeah. It's crazy they were sort of so ahead of the curve, I guess, for, for a game that came out 16-ish years ago to, to see so many of the things and mechanics that they implemented back then only starting to now find their way into these open-world racing sims. Uh, yeah, Test Drive were sort of foresaw the future, I guess, and, and it's nice to see them returning to that to that realm again next year. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll all be cruising around and, and flexing about how good our houses are next year. Watch out. Because, yeah, uh, watch out. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I'm going to be wasting a lot of money trying to get the best furniture, like for the house to oh, have yeah. the best virtual experience so I can brag yeah, to my real to win, friends in my freak house. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, bet, I guess I've been a Test Drive fan since the beginning. Um, their first game came out on the Amiga 500 um, and PC, I believe. Uh, and it was, uh, 
it was impressive for the time. You know, that's a lot of sort of eight ladies, sorry, late eighties. Get that right. Yeah. A um, couple of other games though, I should mention based on the number of hours I've played, <laughs> particularly. Uh, Good indicator. Ret- retro, another retro, well, more of a retro game. So we're going back to, I think it's the late 80s is the original iteration of this game. Uh, Sid Meier's Pirates. So this was a, I guess it was a pirate sim, mm-hmm. um, isometric in style. Uh, you, you got to battle forts. You got to battle other ships and build up your armada. Um, you got to court governor's daughters um, you know all the all the stuff you want in a in a sim. Uh, you know if your crew became unhappy, if you weren't doing the right thing, i.e., stealing lots of gold and plunder, they could possibly uh, kick you off the ship, and you have to start all over again. Um, back in the day, <laughs> yeah, now I'm sounding old. Back in the day, <laughs> <laughs> they had proper manuals for games. Okay, so it wasn't just like this. Uh, oh, here's you know, if you're looking 15 years ago, you had a DVD with the PDF manual on it. Now you're lucky just to get a download link, right? So um, QR code or bus these days, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but you had these full-on manuals, and so I got I got my original Sid Meier's Pirates had this amazing map, and you know you could you could sort of co- I I photocopied the map so I could write on it and all that sort of stuff, and it was just um, that game kept me entertained for I don't know how long. Um, and they released remakes of it, Sid, uh, Pirates, Sid Meier's Pirates Gold, um, which was still good on console. But by then, I guess um, we'd moved on. I'd played Assassin's Creed Black Flag by then, and that was that was kind of... The next evolution, really, correct. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yep, really was. I uh, I dabbled with, with Sid Meier's Pirates in the early 90s. We, we didn't have a, a PC in the house growing up as a kid, so I sort of got my PC gaming done through my friend Daniel, who was like the, the only child that got everything and then some. So any time there'd be something new that had come out, he'd have it without fail. So I remember sort of trying to navigate not only just a keyboard and mouse for one, which was completely alien for me as a, as a young kid growing up on on an Atari controller and then moving to the NES and the Sega and the SNES and things like that. And, and yeah, I love just cruising around this map and, and fighting other pirates. And I remember actually getting the, my pirate crew, um, they, they, yeah, mutinied against me because yeah, clearly I wasn't the, the, the most evil pirate, uh, pirate <laughs> Lord that they wanted me to be. And they, yeah, turfed me off the ship and all my hard work was undone and I had to start again. And I was heartbroken as like a seven or eight year old kid. I remember, at my friend Daniel's house, I was devastated. Yeah, I know. And um, if you fail at attacking a fort too, you tend to get captured and thrown in prison for a very, very long time. And, of course, it it's sort of role-playing. So you just see the years counting by. And um, before you know it, you're in your, like, like 40s or 50s. God forbid I'm in my 50s. So, um, And, you, uh, yeah, you, you have to – you've only got a few years left to get your gold back and – do a semi-decent retirement as it's a tough out there on the seven seas but <laughs> yeah. uh, i think it's also tough um in space where where no one can hear you scream because uh this other game you wanted to highlight is is one of my faves and uh, would i be right in saying it's one of your faves as far as at least never played it but you've watched a lot of people oh play yeah because right? i'm a chicken yeah i watch other people do it <laughs> <laughs> obviously we're talking about alien isolation the i i think it's the best 
video game iteration. Oh, maybe the early PC Alien vs. Predator games I really, really rate as well. But yep. this is up there with the best of them. Like, it's a low bar to step over because this franchise and the Predator franchise have been yeah. bastardized in gaming and <laughs> on screen for years and years and years. But Alien Isolation just hit it out of the space park, didn't it? Yeah, it really did. It, um, it had an amazing story, um, some, some great tension, good level design. Um, characters were top notch. Um, without you know giving any of the story away, uh, this is all in the trailers and whatnot. You play Amanda Ripley, which is uh, Ellen Ripley's daughter. Uh, it's set between Alien and Aliens, so you you get to see more of that story in between, um, and just the survival horror-ish type mechanics were something else. And to be honest, I've, I've installed it again on my PC in preparation for another <laughs> VR playthrough. Um, an unofficial mod called Mother VR, which uh, the creators stopped at 0.8, I suppose, or 0.81. It still works great. You might have uh, to do a little bit of fiddling to get it working on Windows 11, apparently. Um, but it, it's a must-have. It's, it's a must-play uh in vr it's just something else i mean i don't think i've played resident evil uh seven in vr as well um not all the way through mind you but a good portion of it and i have to say that the alien game for me probably because i grew up with alien and aliens well what can i say it, it i shit my pants sometimes <laughs> yeah, you, you can swear as much or as little as you like you don't have to worry about uh, holding back james <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. I, I definitely have to wear two pairs of brown brown pants when i play uh, <laughs> vr <laughs> alien isolation so yeah. if, if you've got the game on um via the epic store or via steam what have you you should check out mother mother vr um mod yeah, I haven't um I've I've played it through just on the Xbox front to back, but I haven't gone in and, and tried it on the on the mother VR mode because obviously you can you can jerry rig your, your your quests and things like that to make it a hardwired VR experience to get a little bit more grunt and play these types of games through it and, and I want to do it, but I don't own enough brown pants just yet to yeah. uh, probably see me <laughs> see me through. But I will get there eventually because I love horror, but it doesn't mean that I don't get scared a lot playing or watching horror and knowing what VR can do to you in a horror perspective. Like I've played Resident Evil 7 through in its entirety in VR and it was terrifying. Yeah. And I know just the moment to moment tension that Alien Isolation has that Resident Evil 7 does for the most part, but I think just the the sense of claustrophobia you can get playing Alien Isolation, having to hide in the vents and under the Ugh. tables. And there's so much hiding and just watching as opposed to moving forward and, and using weaponry that you see a little bit more in, in, in 7. It's it's going to be great. And I'm looking forward to it, but I'm just not in the right mindset to, uh, to push forward with that yet because I know it's going to scare me. Yeah, I think, I think the reason why... Um perhaps it is scarier than Resident Evil 7 for me, in particularly in VR, is because uh, the alien is, it's randomly generated. So you don't have a fixed path. Like with Resident Evil 7, it's a fairly fairly fixed story at points in time. Um, and you, you never know. Sometimes, you know, hiding in a, <laughs> a cupboard or what have you will work. Other times it won't. The other cool 
I didn't use it much because I think I was breathing breathing too hard at the time because I was so scared. But um, <laughs> you can actually turn, like if you've got a microphone with the Xbox version or the PC version, you can turn on an option that hears your breathing. So mm-hmm. if you're breathing too heavily, the alien will hear it and you'll basically die. So I always had that off. <laughs> I, I had it on Very for about fair. an hour, and yeah, it got me. It got me one to, once too because the dogs made some noise. So I'm <laughs> going to blame a death on the dogs. Yeah. But then the other times it was like me going, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, and then it yeah discovered me. It's it's a great little mechanic. I, I wish more horror games employed things like that. Yeah, I, I do too. It, it was cool, but uh, like I said, and like you said, external noises tend to uh, possibly wreck the experience and and get you uh, caught. So. It's it's so good, and I, and I hope Creative Assembly go back and revisit this universe again. Like this game came out eight years ago now, and Whoa, since then it's really? just been yeah. total war is pretty much all they've been in, in immersed in following uh, this release. And obviously we, we've got constant churn of new alien or aliens based games mm. that are coming out, and we'll sort of talk about some of those in in the very future segment here, but. Uh, yeah, th- this was just the pinnacle as far as what Alien games could be. And I hope we get more of this somehow, some way, because it's special and it's one of my favourite horror games of all time. And the fact that it's tied to, I think, a franchise that all three of us collectively adore yes. makes it even better because we see our children, if we want to call them that, getting uh, bastardised time and time again. And yeah. to see it actually done well, it's uh, it's very memorable. Yeah, yeah. And look, I was one of the, the rare few that actually didn't completely bag out Alien Aliens Colonial Marines because I played that the year before. So Alien Aliens Colonial Marines came out in 2013 by Gearbox. Um, and I played it and I thought, you know, it wasn't too bad, but it could have been so much better, right? Mm-hmm. But it got hammered. Like, it, you know, critically, it, a lot of people didn't like it. Fair enough, too. And then... Only one year later, they released Creative Assembly released Alien Isolation, and just such chalk and cheese. It's just amazing, you know, the yeah. different styles of gameplay and and the. And they were both like Colonial Marines looked great. It just sort of played like a bit of a dog. So it was, <laughs> yeah. and, and knowing the knowing the power and the the sort of money and just the skills at Gearbox to see this sort of come out a yeah. little bit watered down was a little bit uh, upsetting, but. We'll see. As I said, we've got plenty more alien or aliens orientated games coming this year, next year, and beyond. So, yeah. Uh, yep. So we'll see. All right. We'll we'll shift gears, and we just wanted to know how did you discover us, James? Like, uh, you know, the hungry gamers. You know, we've we've been kicking around. We're our own little little independent ditty here in Australia slash the US now. But how did how did you stumble across our little humble podcast here? Well, actually, uh, it was it was just looking at to be completely frank, Spotify recommendations. So um, I was using Spotify uh, more than several years ago. It's probably four four years ago now. And uh, I thought, oh, I want to listen to a gaming podcast. And I sort of, you know, I did a search and up came um, the Hungry Gamers. And I went, oh, yeah, this looks good. This looks good. And obviously, um, you know, the format's changed a little bit over the years, but uh you you and Ali are still here, Brendan. So it's that's great. Um, and yeah, just the I guess uh, the the news and the lighthearted banter is what sort of sold me on the Hungry Gamers. Um, and I that's why I still listen to it even now. 
No, appreciate oh. that. And uh, shout out to yourself and also Spotify for uh, deeming us worthy enough to pop up in recommendations. But yeah, it's 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 been nice. Yeah, like we've had some some core member changes here or there, but. 95% of it is still uh, same as it was when uh, Ali made her debut in uh, episode 7 or 8. I always forget which one it was. I know it was early, early in the piece. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're, we're still kicking around, still having fun. And I think until that fun stops, we'll uh, we'll keep doing this until we either run out of news to talk about or, or run out of voice. So uh, whichever <laughs> one comes first, I or guess. Or coffee. Or coffee. <laughs> oh, my God. Coffee is the best. All right. And um, the last sort of introspective question I wanted to throw your way, James, is if you were to compare yourself to a video game character, we want to know who would that be and why? Yeah, so um, uh, this one, I had I had to go with two characters. I couldn't sort of sum myself up in one. Uh, so I went with uh, sort of a combination of Joel from The Last of Us and um, a Paragon Commander Shepard from Mass Effect mm-hmm. trilogy. Not a renegade, so you're a bit more of a, nah, a bit more of a pacifist, a bit more yeah, of a positive-minded fellow as opposed yes, to a I rogue. Guess, I guess I am. Yep, yep. I'm pretty uh, old school. I, uh, as a bit of a segue into this, I um, used to play Dungeons and Dragons quite a lot when I was growing up, and uh, I always, always generally played for most part. You know chaotic good upwards <laughs> and so i uh always sort of tended to play the the strong silent types i suppose but um i like joel as a character because uh during the course of the game um you know he he comes across a pretty huge loss uh in the first game and he has to um he has to try and move forward and so you know even begrudgingly he moves forward um but he is a survivor and because he's a survivor and he knows to just keep going, um, things will, you know, in- intrinsically get better. Uh, so he tries to put the past behind him so he can sort of move forward again. Um, and Commander Shepard, uh, he's a born leader. Uh, he doesn't necessarily have all the answers uh, and do- does have failings. Obviously he's human as well, but he knows how to try and bring the best out in people um, and has I guess what you would say in the games that when I played him anyway, uh, unwavering optimism, mm-hmm. um, even in the face of impossible odds. So um, those two characters, I think, um, show resilience and strength um, and humanity. Um, and I, I guess uh, that's why I like them both. You know what, James? I'd certainly follow you headfirst into a battle with the Reapers. Uh, very, very happily to do so. But uh that's great because they're, they're two characters that uh, I am especially intimate with and, and familiar with and, and a lot of, I think, uh, gaming gaming fans in general will have at least dipped a toe in, in Mass Effect or The Last of Us over the years. Not so much The Last of Us with uh, Miss Hart here, but yeah. uh, <laughs> she, she's familiar with Joel's exploits and, and the, the life that he's lived. And, uh, I played yeah, the they're, first they're good characters to be. 10, 15 minutes of Last I have an idea. Yeah. <laughs> And that opening of The Last of Us is still one of the best openings in any game I've ever played. Like yeah, for, I agree. for very agree. not overly positive reasons, but just as far as just that emotional haymaker that yep. it swings at you so early on and just sets the tone for that game right then and there. And you're just invested with that character right from the jump. 
And I mean, Ali, uh, you know, obviously developers are thinking of you because they're releasing it on PC. So, uh, the oh, you know, the no remake's excuses. coming on PC. So you've got no excuse now to not give it no. a go. Uh, she'll no find a few. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you brought up d and I want to ask you, did you have a favourite class that you picked? Uh, look, I was usually, if you're talking normal d and I was usually a fighter, to be honest. And oh, in yeah. fact, uh, for, for AD&D, probably the barbarian class, um, and that's my one of my handles. Obviously, is Grox. That's where Grox comes from. He's one of my original barbarian characters uh, in in D and D. There you go. Aww. Yeah, that's so, so cool. Yeah. Do, do you still play now, or is that something you'd you'd like to get back into and jump into a fresh campaign, or have you sort of just left the D and D world behind? I, I haven't played. I, I sort of still have the original D and D books, the box sets. Uh, there, there's a long story to that one, but I won't go into it now. Um, but uh, yeah, I, let's just say I, I didn't have the books for a while because I, I got rid of them for a Batman video. You remember the Michael Keaton? Oh Batman? yeah, yep. So I traded my original DD books for a Batman video because I was so keen on Batman at the time. But about three years later, I regretted that decision, so I had to go and find them again secondhand and buy them again. So I did. Um, so I still read them and. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I've I've actually written one book too, which is based on a on a campaign that I made. Okay, a, I made and I um wrote, and it was published a few years ago. Tell, tell us more. Oh. Share share with the listeners about this book. Can can we still can we still obtain copies of this book? Oh James? yeah, yeah. Is it out it's there still in the on Amazon and Booktopia and all the usual online places. Uh, it's called Wolf and the Crow by Yours Truly, JT Culverhouse. And as I said. Uh, Effectively, a mate and I wrote this campaign back in the, well, I'm thinking now, 84, 85. Yep, we were about 14 or 15 at the time. Uh, and cool. he gratefully uh, gave me permission to to write a book on our campaign, which, so, yeah. That's so awesome. there you go. And it's got Grox really in it cool. too. So there you go. I um I want to know because I'm looking at this right now. I'm reading this. It's saying book one of the Evanshire Chronicles. Is there yeah. a book two on the way here? Yeah, there is a book two on the way. It's um first drafts done. Um, now the hard part, which is uh, tidying it up and and getting it edited. Thankfully, my wife uh, she is actually an editor. And, oh, nice. <laughs> and so that's very helpful. I've got a very short story on that one. When I first wrote, when I've first wrote uh, the first book, Peter got out her red pen for editing and um, about half of it, I think, was in red. <laughs> <you know? laughs> My first draft of, of the first book. So that's why I know this time around it might take a bit longer to get the second one out okay. because I want to make sure that I get it right. So That that novel became a novella pretty quick there <laughs> to build it back out. Yeah, pretty much. Well, well, I'm excited because there was one copy apparently left on Amazon.com.au, which now I am a proud owner of. That's going to be here oh, tomorrow. You. And uh, when more come in, we'll get another one and we'll we'll give one away here on the show to to a listener. Oh, look, I've got to, a few uh, copies, so happy to send you a few uh, to give away. No problem. If you feel like feel like signing them as well, mate, we'll yeah, uh, we'll, we'll certainly do. share the love of that one because I'm always hunting for a good book and um, I'm looking forward to uh, to reading this one and reporting back. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. Awesome. Not a problem at all. All right. Well, let's. Uh, as much as I don't want to park the uh, the JT Culverhouse story here, because it feels like we were just getting into some very interesting, very interesting uh, parts of your life there with 
just just subtly just rolling it out there. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm, an, I'm a published author now. Right book. This, that, and the other. Like, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure. If, you know, I wasn't sure if plugging my own book was going to be a good idea. But hey, I rolled with it. You know, if, if you've got anything else you no, want to plug, no, like, no, that look honestly, I appreciate. I appreciate. Uh, I just was trying to link in, I guess, my D and D playing with, uh, you know, writing a book as well. So. No, that's that's fantastic. Well, it, it's nice to know, Miss Hart, that we 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 know now two, no, three published authors authors here personally on the show. So that's uh good to know. Oh. Ma- makes me feel pretty shitty about myself because I haven't written anything. But uh, you know what? I'll no, just I'm live through people like yourselves. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, let's let's shift gears and let's um let's sort of jump into the the main meat and potatoes of the, of the episode here. We wanted to do, yeah, like a, a 2022 mid-ish year in review, we're going to call. We wanted to have this recorded a couple of weeks ago, but uh, you had to shift things around. Uh, my poor old Bentley, uh, anyone that sort of followed me on the socials, the little mate woke up pretty much paralyzed one morning and it was not a good time. It was very terrifying and... He potentially needed to get like emergency surgery on his spine and all this because his little back legs just weren't working at all. And luckily the the vet sort of prese- uh, provided me with two options as far as surgery then and there at a very expensive <laughs> undertaking or yeah. we could try this treatment of um, really, really aggressive steroids that were 50-50 in making any type of changes. And it was pretty much... Take, take some of these medications, but if he declines in any way, straight in under the knife to get this surgery. And then it was pretty much crate. He didn't need to be based in a crate for like three months straight without moving because had to realign his spine. And it was was rough. But uh, these steroids that the Bentley's been taking, I've been getting closer and closer to even just taking half of one myself because he went from not being able to move and do anything to now he's running around, he's taking himself to the toilet, he's jumping up on the couch... I try and not let him jump up on the couch just to avoid the strain, but dogs be dogs. But uh, yeah, that's that's sort of the story is why this has taken our you know Christmas in July, mid-ish year in review to now the start of August. But yeah, little Bentley be bear, he's fighting, he's strong. I feel horrible because it was his birthday last week and we didn't really get to celebrate oh. anything because the little mate was just, you know, on uh, emergency watch. But uh, Buy him let's, a dumbbell. Yeah. yeah. He's on the roids. Yeah, he's, he's, he's already pretty yoked. He's a very stocky, muscly little man. And these roids now, he's, you know, he's, he's going to start beating me up for like second dinners and things like that because he's, <laughs> he's a big boy. He's got the roid rage. But uh, pets and their hardships, it's terrifying, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It very much is. Yeah. I, uh, have, a, I have a dog as well. So his name's Chad. Um, he's a New Zealand uh, hunterway, which is like a stocky uh, Kelpie. So if you think of an Australian Kelpie and, and stockier with a bit of uh, Labrador-looking, uh, brown brown Labrador-looking, that's uh, Chad. He's nine. He's starting to slow down now, so the walks aren't quite as long, but he's still he's healthy. He's doing well. And we also have a, uh, a cat uh, called Shadow who's 12 years old, and he's still doing great guns and still wants his food all the time. And, you know, but, uh, yeah, it's great. They're sort of our uh, – they're our family. I mean, mm-hmm. that's how that's how we treat our our pets. I guess they're our family. So. Yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd be lost without these two. So it really uh, record scratch momented me when when I sort of woke up that Saturday morning and just knew straight away that something was amiss. But seeing him just improve 
day by day the last couple of weeks has been been really touching and, and seeing how strong this little bugger is because yeah it was you sort of started fearing for the worst when you see things yeah. like that and then the vet tells you this is what's probably going to have to happen 90 percent of the time to see him bounce back the way he has has been uh yeah been massive weight lifted off the shoulders but shout out to uh chad and shadow nine and 12 years strong running around like mad and living their best lives up there in in qld yep but yeah. we thought we'd um we thought we'd open up the uh, the midish year in review, uh, and we'll start with sort of the best things that we've watched this year. So uh, I see we've got a little bit of bleed with certain shows or films between us that we might have watched and and, and enjoyed. But uh, James, did you want to start us off maybe, and then then Ali, and then I'll sort of bring it home as far as things we've watched that have dropped in 2022, or maybe if it was sort of from years past and we're just a little bit late to the adoption but uh yeah what's what's been the top of your viewing pops so far this year mr culverhouse yeah thanks uh brandon look my favorite film this year so far and i'm happy to say this actually because i was praying it was going to be a good film was uh top gun maverick so i um, watched it i know well you should I know. I also haven't seen the first Top Gun. Oh, my oh, God. None. <laughs> what? Yeah, okay. So my recommendation, if you haven't seen the first Top Gun, is watch the first Top Gun and okay. then watch the sequel. And even if you haven't seen the first Top Gun in quite a while, I would recommend probably watching it before seeing the sequel. Mm-hmm. They do do some recapping in the sequel, but, it, you know, if you want a bit more detail around the recapping, best to refresh your memory uh look this sequel is one of those rare cases where it's better than any original so this this is just a fantastic movie full of really good characters um a a really appropriate and quite current story uh and um and what really is amazing apart from the fact that everyone carries the film and it's not just tom cruise it's all the supporting actors as well miles teller is excellent too um is the fact that they did a lot of practical effects. So minimal use of CGI. Obviously, there is some CGI, but very, very uh, sparingly used. Uh, and all the flight stuff that you pretty much see is is real F-18 fighter jets. So uh, it's a, it's it just breaks the mold. It's sort of it's a breath of fresh air for me anyway. And I look, I grew up with the original Top Gun. Okay. I thought it was pretty fantastic. I was also a very strong supporter at the time. It hasn't held up quite as well now that I'm 52, but uh, Days of Thunder came out four years after the original Top Gun by the same director, Tony Scott. And uh, I still enjoy it, but it's not nearly as good as the original Top Gun. And that's where, that's where Tom and Nicole sort of first met and sort of uh, shacked up together, didn't they, with Days of Thunder? That's where their, yep, their that's, that's relationship right. was cultivated. Indeed, indeed, it was before. Uh, obviously, it decultivated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's in terms of uh, movies this year. And to be honest, that's the only movie I've seen in the cinema this year. So I've obviously watched quite a few from the various streaming services. Are you a uh, cinema cinema goer, James? Like, do you like to get to the movies or are you sort of more wait till it hits one of the streaming services and watch it at home in comfort or do you like the big cinema experience? No, I do like the big cinema experience. I, Ooh, yeah. I think gold class is kind of, is my forte, you know, getting the recliner and the, and a bit of grog. 
<laughs> or coffee if you don't want the grog. But uh, with, I guess with COVID and whatnot, I, I will admit I haven't gone to uh, the cinema as much as I used to. Mm. Um, so if, if it um, looks really good, I'll go to the cinema. If, if I'm on the fence about something, I'll probably wait to streaming. Yeah. And that's fair. And the good thing is the the timeline between a movie debuting in the cinema and popping up, up on a streamer is becoming less and less anyway. Like it's yeah. sometimes it's like a, a 30 or a 60 day cycle where it's going from big to small screen. So you don't even have to wait that long. Like Top Gun Maverick, everybody I know that's watched it is like, this is phenomenal. Watch it. And I've got full intentions to, but I just haven't made the time to get to the movies. I'm, I'm sure it's probably a couple of weeks away from making its way to something that I could watch it on on my Apple TV because I'm keen to see it because I love the first one. Obviously, Danger Zone is still probably one of the best action-based songs yeah. ever. Yeah. And, and it's a banger of a film from the 80s. And, and you know, it's, it's peak Cruise, peak Val Kilmer. Who doesn't like a good, healthy... Uh, fit looking Val Kilmer like obviously I've heard that he cameos in Maverick and you know he's dealing with a few uh real life health-based ailments and he, and he does yeah. what he can on screen but yeah. uh I'm keen to see and it's even got like John Hamm in there I love me a bit of him oh, yeah 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 he and he plays a good supporting part as well um I think I think the the other good thing about Top Gun Maverick before we move on is that it does have some nostalgia hits for the, the people who have grew up watching the original. So there's definitely some nods of nostalgia, which you'll know pretty much straight away when you start watching it. So I, I highly recommend it. Uh, moving on to TV, obviously, um, because TV, you know, over the last decade in particular has just uh, improved out of sight in terms of writing and, and um, budget as well, really. Uh, yeah. Obviously due to the, the streaming services available now. Um, I really enjoyed Reacher season one. Um, so, uh, I've read a lot of the, uh, Lee Child books. So I think I've got a pretty good grasp of the character that Lee Child is writing. Um, I thought Tom Cruise, though he was a good actor, I don't think he was quite up to the, uh, the physical presence that's required for Reacher. Yeah. He's uh, not as imposing as, like, no. I can't remember the actor's name that plays him in this new season, but he's a big, big man. I think it's Alan Richardson. I think. Um, but uh, I hope it is, and apologies if it's not. Um, You're right. You're right. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> he is. He is fantastic. Like he he embodies what Reacher is, um, and I also like this because uh, it's stuck pretty close to to the story that it's based on. Um, it had some good secondary characters. Uh, there was obviously some decent um, fight scenes in it as well. Um, overall, I thought it held up really well, and I'm looking forward to uh, obviously more. And then finally, this one's no surprise, I don't think for any anyone out there, is I watched Stranger Things season four, and um, yeah, I, apart from possibly the first season, it's probably the best season of Stranger Things so far. Um, it certainly dialed up the horror elements, which I think is good because the the um, the kids uh, in the show are getting older now. So they, they, that's probably why they can get away with, I guess, showing a bit more of the violence and, and what, you know, some of the impact of that violence has. Um, but the story was really good. We got to uh, learn a lot more about a lot of the secondary characters um, as well as some new ones. It 
of course, they talked about D&D in it, which is fantastic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's by far, it, it just uh, went, went and did a lot of the backstory too, which was really impressive. Um, so highly enjoyable. Yeah, the the Duffer brothers, they're... Uh... They've gone from yeah hitting hitting singles and doubles to to home runs with Stranger Things and it's it's quickly become one of the biggest shows, Jesus, just about in history. It feels like everybody's hungry for it and Stranger Things season four certainly lived up to the hype and the momentum that that show's got. And yeah, I think it's probably minute to minute my favorite season of Stranger Things so far. And, and I completely agree with you there, James, with the the tonal shift as as the the, the cast becomes more mature the content has as well and some of the characters they're introducing and just building out of this world and the upside down and where that's come from and how it came to be and things like that i think it's really 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 well executed storytelling from from the duffer brothers and i really like the cast and the soundtrack and obviously we've got a pretty couple of cool big hero moments in this season and i can't wait to see what they do with season five miss hart have you gone back i know you've sort of watched a bit of season one and did you get into season two and sort of park there didn't you have you have yeah. you jumped back in the car and started driving along again no um no it's a lot of <laughs> things to watch okay one one you know bucket list item at a time but i will watch it i am constantly getting a lot of people telling me especially after this season saying like ali you have to watch it and apparently there's a lot of DD references as you said um and there's a very metal thing that happens um uh, that people have been absolutely awesome <laughs> yeah, I, I've I've kind of already been exposed to it. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Metallica. So yeah, but I, I'll I will go back. I'll go back to season two, and I'll work my way over so I can get to experience this uh, amazing season of season four. So. I mean, I mean, to be to be honest, Ali, I, I was the same. I was a I didn't watch season four when it first came out. I was sort of I got to the end of season two and took a break, um, mm. and then when some everyone kept telling me. Oh, season four is amazing. You've got to watch it. You've got to watch it. And before I didn't want to get hit with spoilers on Twitter and Facebook and what have you. So I just went, yeah. uh, I'm going to watch season three and four so I don't get too far behind. And three was pretty decent. Um, it was it was good. But four was just a, out mm. of the park. As... Two is definitely the weakest out of the four seasons for me. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yep. Well, they lost me. <laughs> so push through and then you'll uh, be very, very rewarded. Three's great, and then four is just next level, and it's it's so good. And I think there's so many things in that universe that you love and cherish as far as hobbies and passions and things, so it's just a melting pot of Ali's favourite things there. But speaking of other favourite things, Miss Hart, what about favourite things you've watched in 2022 so far? Yeah, so the things that I've actually been able to watch or spent <laughs> some time in watching. Um, recently, I saw um, The Black Phone, which was a horror thriller movie based on a short story. Um, loved it. Um, I'd been waiting so long for it and I'm glad that it turned out brilliantly. I actually went back and read the short story because I love the movie and the short story has nothing on this movie. Um, the creative liberties that they took um, with the movie um, just worked out much better and made for a really intense uh, thriller. So um the Black Phone was awesome. Uh, just as of recently, I got to watch Bullet Train um, and loved it. I absolutely loved it. It had everything that I kind of love in a fun action uh, movie. Uh, a lot of, a lot in the same vein of like 
Smoke and Aces and Snatch, where you've got like all these quirky different crews with, you know, their own objectives and intertwining stories and all that sort of business. And it's just intense. It's funny. It's it's got, you know, narrative that is, you know, like I said, kind of intertwines and everything like that and great payoff. And um, if you don't take it too seriously, like if you don't go in there looking for a deep, dark, serious action movie, I think you're bound to enjoy it. Um, it's been a long time, but I finished watching The Bullet Train and I said, I want to watch it again. Like, I want to go back and watch that because I had such fun watching it. It's got an amazing cast, too. I thought by having Brad Pitt in it, it was just going to be the Brad Pitt show. Um, he does great. But the supporting cast all have their own things and they just do amazing. Um, it's a lot of fun. Very beautifully stylized and a great soundtrack. And yeah, so I don't anticipate that everyone's going to love it. I'm sure people it's going to not rub people the right way. But for me, as you know, Smoke and Aces and Snatch being some of my favorite movies, um, it hit the nail on the head and it was, it was brilliant. So I think anyone that doesn't love Snatch, you know, they're... they're- not people we want to associate with too much because it's a fantastic <laughs> yeah. film. It's, True. it's one of Guy Ritchie's best. And yeah. I'm excited for Bullet Train. And we were talking about this offline before we started recording this morning. And just I could see that the love and adoration you had for this movie just flowing out of you. And then <sighs> when you were like, I want to go watch it again at the movies, like I've not heard you say that once about anything else in the years I've known you. So I know that's that's big praise right there. Yeah. So um, I absolutely loved it. So I'm not going to go out there and, you know, tell everyone, oh, you have to see it because I know everyone's kind of different. But for me personally, on those kind of bases or movies that I love, take it or leave it as you will. So, um, but yeah, absolutely static with that one. Uh, TV wise, 1883, which Mm -hmm. is completely shocking. Technically started in last year, but finished this year. So um I never thought that I was going to be into a drama western you know timepiece and lo and behold it was it was a brilliant story it was very beautiful it was you know very sad very sad um kind of highlighting some historic truths there um but yeah I can't believe that one won me over <laughs> I, I I recommend it but um Jono said that he found it quite depressing so and we had to kind of give him the 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 news that it doesn't get better no, <laughs> so, no. <laughs> I haven't seen it, actually. It's one of the ones that I definitely want to check out, though. Same with Bullet Train. Can I just ask before we move on, uh, is Bullet Train anything like uh, Shoot 'Em Up with Clive Owen? That kind of... Yes. Not a lot of people watch Shoot 'Em Up. (laughs) Shoot 'Em Up is such an underrated (laughs) action. It's so good. (laughs) And uh, Paul Giannati plays the antagonist. And it's just like, (laughs) it's nuts, but it's like a good sort of off-the-wall nuts. And... um, because yeah. he kills dudes with carrots in that, doesn't he? Kills someone with a carrot? Yep, that's right. Yep. Yeah, there's, there's a carrot scene, yeah. I used to work <laughs> at JB Hi-Fi and my old manager used to quote that movie so much, especially that stupid tit-for-tat freaking oh, yeah. quote. Yeah, like all the time. But yeah, yeah, same kind of vein, same kind of like action, absurdity, wackiness. And yeah, there's there's a lot of great moments. So Yeah, I, oh, good. I'll definitely have to check that out. So, yeah. yeah. I also got to uh, watch Righteous Gemstones Season 2, uh, another weird one that I never thought I would become a fan of, but it's just great. It's wonderful quirkiness, um, interesting story, great cast. Um, I've talked about it a lot, so I won't dwell, 
um, dive on it too much. Um, and our flag means death. Mm-hmm. Uh, another just out of nowhere gem. And I'm so glad that it's um, it's been renewed, I believe. Um, and then that, like, it's just been picked up by everyone. It's like this little TV cult classic that people have kind of um, held on to. It's... It was wonderful. It's such a beautiful, beautiful, wacky story of pirates and um, pirate life. And, um, you know, when you have like um, Tyker winning and um, what's his name? I forgot his name. Reese Darby. Yeah. Uh, you know, pretty much front and center. It's it's just it's just brilliant. So that was another one. Um, I noticed that we have an overlap here with uh, Peacemaker. Mm-hmm. How can that not be on our list, right? I know, yeah. Uh, but... I, I have to watch it still. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> add, add that to your list as well. All right, yeah, I will. That one. <laughs> Writing it down right now. <laughs> I, I honestly, I was honestly, if it hadn't been actually for the movie, the Suicide Squad movie, if you told me that um, John Cena was going to have his own show, I just would not have given it the time of day. But based on his performance in the Suicide Squad movie, I was like, I have to see what this is about. And how much of a brilliant show it was. Um, like, I, I was completely caught off guard. I thought it was going to maybe, you know, kind of get shitty towards the end or maybe not hold itself. Um, but it was it was brilliant from start to finish. And um, I can't wait for whenever another season of that one comes out. It was great. Yeah, and, and James Gunn's come out and confirmed that Peacemaker is free of the big... Uh HBO Discovery cull scenario that's going on at the moment. Stupid if they didn't. Yeah, <laughs> and and Peacemaker, like I'm I'm with you. Like uh, John Cena's performance was sold to me in the Suicide Squad. Like I've watched him in a few other things, and um, I think it was called Cock Blockers. I think it was just called yeah, Blockers here like in Australia, in where it's a bit more of an adult comedy, and he got to got to be a little less, you know modern day superhero John Cena from WWE and, and be a bit more real. And, and so I had feeling and faith that he could do well, but Peacemaker just blew my mind and I can't wait for more of that show. It's just about one of my favourite things DC have brought to screen in, I don't know how many years, like decades really. It's it's just everything fair, that I love and the easy. tone. Yeah, wow. yeah. 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 My wife keeps asking us to watch it and I'm like, yeah, yeah, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. Definitely set some time and uh, get ready for a brilliant soundtrack. Oh, cool. I like yeah. good soundtrack. And, and it's got like, I'm, I'm very much with a lot of shows and one of the great things I love with something like Netflix where you can skip the intros, but this is one of those shows that I'll never skip the intro. Like you might've yeah. seen it on social media, but I won't say what happens with it because I don't want to spoil that first experience with it on the screen but it is it is so fun and so silly but it's just the best and it just sets the sets the table for the show with that intro and and give you a bit of an understanding of what you might get might be in for be over able, those yeah. handful of episodes and, and did it have a reasonable budget like does it look look the goods looks great. oh yeah looks yeah. great yeah cool. yeah, yeah no nah, it certainly certainly doesn't uh doesn't look cheap and the cg where it is used uh, they they put a lot of money into it. Like it's it doesn't look like you can see the the juxtaposition with the the blatant green screening <laughs> or the fake character. Like it all looks like it's part of that one interconnected universe, which is awesome. Yeah, but that uh, that Tyker magic dust, anything he sprinkles that on these days turned to gold. And, and yeah, our flag means death is phenomenal. And yeah, obviously with what we do in the shadows and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. and obviously his attachment to Marvel. He's he can do no wrong. Uh, 
Mr. Tyker, but uh, I, I wanted to sort of quickly scattershot my favorite things I've watched into, I'm going to talk, well, I'm not going to talk. I'm just going to mention them because I've talked about them in a lot of detail and, and three new anime that came out this year, My Dress Up Darling, Love After World Domination and Spy Family, all very similar as far as the themes they're covering. We've got cosplay, we've got superheroes and supervillains battling and then a, a spy family trying to infiltrate um, an evil organization. But like they're all very lighthearted, comedic slice of life uh style shows great animation great soundtrack just adore them can't speak about them highly enough i'll leave my weeb discussions behind <laughs> from there because i do talk much anime these days i uh, already talk stranger things and peacemaker as far as movies i wanted to shout out everything everywhere all at once which was the uh the multiversal film done by daniel kwan and daniel Scheinhart released through a24 one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. Miss Hart, I know you thought it was good, but it wasn't to that bar. I think you enjoyed it, but didn't completely land one hundred percent. I thought for you. it was okay. Like I definitely didn't want okay, to see it fine. again. <laughs> Ooh, which one's lower? I think fine, fine, and then okay is above fine. Would you say? Then it, yeah, you're right. It was fine. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I haven't no, seen no, it fine, yet. Fine, sorry. It, it's, <laughs> so I'll, yeah, I'll, have, no. I'll have to take the average of the two and watch it anyway. Yeah, um, it's it's really good and like it's fantastic and it's funny and it's heartwarming and it tackles global themes and uh, you know the soundtrack is great, the cinematography is fantastic, the cast is committed as hell and. It was just a, a two-hour roller coaster of, of awesomeness, and I can't speak highly enough of, of that film. And then I also wanted to shout out something that I watched overnight. It's only just dropped on Disney Plus here in Australia or on Hulu uh, in the US. Don't know where it is around the rest of the world. Probably Disney Plus for the majority. But I watched Prey. So that was the uh, the stealth predator film announcement that we got done nice. by Dan Trachtenberg, who also did the stealth sequel to Cloverfield with Ten Cloverfield Lane. This movie is so fucking good. Oh, awesome. God. Awesome. Oh. Finally a, a decent Predator movie. Yeah, hey. like it's it's been like we, we <laughs> talked about the uh the treatment of alien or aliens yeah. and Predator is in a similar similar well where you get good occasionally and then you get a whole lot of crap. And Prey yeah. is certainly in the good camp and we're seeing a lot of the reviews. Uh, we're seeing, you know, eights and nines out of tens across most of the outlets. I think Metacritic have got it at around 80 or so as well. And it's justified. Like, it is a great story. It is great acting. Like, um, Amber Midthunder, who plays the lead in this, is fantastic on screen and is just fully committed to the role. The way they introduced the Predator, and it's just gone back to its roots as far as the original Predator from the 80s, where it's, you know... You know, survival of the fittest and seeing these two very distinctive cultures as far as, you know, an alien hunting race coming to this proving ground to, I guess, show that it is a it is up to standard as far as the, the Yatja alien race itself. And then seeing um, Amber Midthunder's character pushing against those those sort of social norms where most obviously females in the Native American culture, you know, they're just out to, to cook and clean and, and gather where she wants to be a hunter and she wants to stand with the boys and show that she's got the medal to 
to be in that same sort of um, you know breathing area, and uh, it's really really good. It's it's gory, it's gorgeous. It's all shot on location in Canada, so there, there's no real reliance yeah. on green screens for fake backdrops. The the locations are stunning. The predator looks great. There's a there's a couple of little CGI moments where I'm like, oh, you could have chucked a little bit more money at it there, but overall, awesome. Ninety minutes and it just does not stop. Like it's just cracker of a runtime. You get a great story complete story with beginning middle and end some cool combat some cool death scenes and hopefully this is a sign of a bit of a redirect on predator and we get some more good stuff like this because it was great and i'm going to watch it again because jono's coming over today and he actually asked me yesterday we should watch it together i said yes but i also didn't say that i wasn't going to wait till him to get here so i watched it yesterday <laughs> oh, no. and i'm watching it again Ooh. now but it's but, so I mean, good. 90 minutes that's good you gotta act surprised and and uh in the current age of bloat when it comes to movies sometimes it's nice and refreshing when they keep it to a an action movie to that hour and a half two hour mark so tell me yeah 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 so miss hart i think you're going to be happy with this like you said you're watching this tomorrow doing pre, uh, yes. pray and pizza pray and pizza mm. yeah it is so good and i hope after you finish and we have a chat about it you feel it's good too because it is really really fun to watch and comparing it to the predator the shane black film from a few years ago this is like night and day god that was a nightmare yeah it was was (laughs) so bad um i the original predator you know it's one of the best action bloody thriller movies of all time so um i'm glad to hear that um prey is actually decent so, yeah, there's, yeah, there's a few nods and, and a couple of homages to the original. Not not in a forced, like, shoehorned way where it's like, oh, you, you're yeah. doing that for the sake of it. Easter like, egg. <laughs> yeah, but it's really, really well done. And, yeah, Amber Mid-Thunder uh, as, as the lead is fantastic. You can't keep her eye, your eyes off her and, and how committed she is. And she shows strength and weakness sort of effortlessly in this movie. And it's really cool to watch. And I'm actually very excited to watch it again today. So uh, this is my bullet train, Miss Hart. You said you wanted to go watch it again. Prey is my bullet train today. So uh, Yeah, Top Gun Maverick's Sweet. mine. Definitely yeah. want to see it again. All right. So let's let's shift gears and we got, we'll talk about the best announcement that we've had of 2022. And Miss Hart, I might throw it straight over to you because <laughs> I, I guess we've rudely been talking about this right now anyway. Oh, it's fair enough. Uh, my best announcement was that we got a Predator movie. And so far, it sounds like it's amazing. So, yay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, it's really good. And and I even like that they've gone away. F- like, it's not, you know, Predator, colon, Prey or something. They've called it Prey. They've taken the, the big bad name out of it and that brand recognition. But it's really, really good. Thank something you. else that I think is really, really good. Uh, I'll, I'll quickly scattershot my uh, announcement thoughts here. Uh, Marvel Phase 5 and 6, I know we're getting a little bit of Marvel fatigue and at the moment they've confirmed 15 pieces of content so far over the next couple of years. So that is a lot of Marvel coming our way by the small and the big screen. But I'm excited to see what they do with this multiverse arc that they're working on here. And, um, you know, they're starting to, to set the scene and weave things in with Doctor Strange and Thor Love and Thunder and whatnot. But I'm excited to see what they do because we're getting a lot of characters that are... I guess less tentpole-esque, you know, we're moving away from the Iron Man's and the Captain America's to a degree on Captain America and, and sort of highlighting and focusing on uh, 
lesser known mainstream superheroes, which I'm excited for. Uh, something else that intrigues me, but I also don't know how long it's going to be until we see something. But we got the announcement, obviously, uh, the Xbox and Bethesda showcase this year. Uh, Hideo Kojima is officially doing something with Xbox. So he's obviously been... Uh, had his wagon hitched to Sony for decades and finally seeing him diversify, you could say. I don't know how much money Phil Spencer and co said to Hideo to get him to jump across. It would be a hefty sum, but I'm very interested to see what happens there. And also something that's only dropped in the last like 48 hours, Beyond Good and Evil 2 is not dead. It was and probably still is in development hell, but uh, they've just hired Sarah Aralano as the new lead writer for that so there is some life for beyond good and evil 2 potentially maybe i, don't I know. mean they've just hired a lead writer <laughs> yeah as in they <laughs> had one before the- i assume they had one before and they moved on or yeah and, and even the, be, yeah. The, the 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 game director kit uh like pulled out a couple of years ago as well so typical mm. ubisoft fashion internal turmoil and things like that but we'll see but, uh, yeah, the biggest thing there is I'm very interested to see what Hideo is actually cooking there with Phil and Team Green there when we see yeah, that the, game uh, potentially get released in, what, 2020, hap- 28? Sorry, <laughs> sorry to interrupt. Uh, the Sony fans weren't happy with um, with that announcement, though, were they? There was a bit of, wow. yeah, quite a bit of furor around um, yeah, him going to Xbox for one, just one thing he keeps stating. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just one thing, but no. Yeah. What about you, James? What, uh, what's been your favourite announcement or announcements of uh, 2022 so far? Yeah, so I, I guess I'm cheating a little bit. My favourite one, um, we know it was announced, you know, years ago and we knew it was coming, which is Forza Motorsport. Uh, but there wasn't any gameplay or anything about it until a couple of months ago. And then finally we got some concrete gameplay and how it's going to play on the Xbox Series X and um, obviously the PC. And uh, look, I've been a Forza fan, obviously, from the get-go, from the original Forza Motorsport on the Xbox, original Xbox. Um, so I was pretty excited to see this finally see the light of day and we have a 2023 early-ish release date, I hope. But It looks so pretty. And what what's your thoughts where they've said that this is going to be like a game games of service type of offering. So this is going to be Forza Motorsport and it's going to be added to for potentially the next decade. They're not going to have, you know, Forza Motorsport 2 and 3 and, and numbered base releases. They're just going to be adding new content to this over the coming years as a live game. I I think it's a smart play. Yeah, I think it's a smart play. It's in, in line with the times really. Um, to, to provide another example of that currently working is the Crew 2. So the Crew 2 has been out for four years now. Uh, and they're up to season 11, uh, and they keep adding new stuff and they keep tweaking. I will be frank in saying that the Crew 2 at launch, though good, could have been a lot better. They, I, I felt that the microtransactions got in the way a bit and, and were ludicrously priced. Um, that is less of a problem now because they've got a lot more content uh, and they've provided more options for you to be able to grind I guess, um, and get those things without necessarily spending real money. Uh, so I'm cautiously optimistic that the, uh, I guess, the games as a service thing will be okay for Forza Motorsport. You could tell that people were starting to get, uh, even myself, starting to get Forza Motorsport fatigued by the time 7 came out, which is, a, you know, 
four or five years ago now. Um, so I think it's a smart, a smart move. And they've gone that way with Horizon, though I will say, I don't think, I don't know, I just don't think Horizon is holding up as well as I would have liked. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. You're not a fan of Hot Wheels? I, I like Hot Wheels. So the latest, uh, obviously, DLC that's just come out, I, I do need to play it more. It's on It's on the list. Let's just put it that way. Um, VR sort of, I guess, taken up more of my time lately. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just find the the weekly season stuff where you can't actually ever really get the cars except on auction house um, after that season is finished. Um, I find that a little bit annoying actually, because I, I'm a bit of a collector. So one of the things I always liked about the Forza games was the fact you could collect cars and race different production cars, as well as racing cars, production cars. I love production cars, right? So uh, you know, I can't afford them in real life, so why not? You know, do, do it in the virtual world. So, anytime there's a, a game that has a lot of production cars, I'm like, yep, I'm there. <laughs> no, no doubt, no doubt. Um, and you also mentioned uh, Aliens Dark Descent, yeah, as an announcement you're excited about. I was a little scared when you mentioned this one because I'm I'm reserving too much judgment until I, I get to play this, but I'm a huge fan of that universe and. Um, I, I, know, I think they were smart in going down the, the road that they're possibly looking at here, which is, which is an isometric sort of, uh, you know... Um, squad-based uh, yeah, sort of squad shooter. Yeah, squad-based shooter. Yep, exactly. Um, and at least it's not like another crack at a first-person game. Um, the uh, Fireteam Elite, which is the last Aliens game that came out a couple of years ago, I actually played that quite a bit and finished finished all the main content there and look it wasn't too bad it was it was better than i expected it's actually on game pass now too so if yeah. you haven't checked it out i i stupidly bought the collector's edition of aliens fire team elite and i've played i played a good chunk of it but yeah now it's on game pass and and they keep they keep supporting that game they're bringing out new content and new little expansions all the time which is good to see but it just it just sucks seeing an ip you love so much get released as like a double a it feels like you I, would I agree as it is definitely a double a game i bought it as well but not the uh the collector's edition i bought just the standard edition at launch and i don't regret that um i think it's it's good that uh you know we're still seeing these games from that that universe so i'm i'm cautiously optimistic uh because i i believe that yeah, Dark Descent, Aliens Dark Descent was definitely announced this year and mm-hmm. I haven't seen, I'm sort of keen for other things, I guess, as well that were probably announced a bit earlier. Do you see Do you see yourself getting keen and playing Aliens Dark Descent, Miss Hart? Because I think when we unpacked the trailer, we were both sort of uh, we were a bit hard sit, on. sitting on the fence, but yeah. uh, are, are you going to dive in or are you going to maybe think of jumping into Aliens Fireteam Elite on Game Pass? No, like the like we kind of said, like well, unfortunately, like when I saw the trailer for um, Dark Descent, I also wasn't sold on it. Unfortunately, um, I don't know. Like it's it's been been pretty difficult with the Alien games, and obviously, I'm too chicken to play Isolation. So, um, yeah, I I I just don't see them being my day ones. Unfortunately, yeah, it's it's tough. Like it's that whole once bitten, twice shy isn't it? And mm. we're, we're getting bitten a lot of times with uh, releases on these franchises, but we'll see. Maybe, maybe Dark Descent can uh, can surprise us when it when it makes its way to console and PC in, in the coming year or years. So, uh, yeah, 
Um, let's let's shift into, I guess, the you know asterisks on this as far as we're going to call this, you know, game of the year so far. I'll jump in first because then we've got a bit of universal discussion as far as uh, where where the other people on this podcast are currently sitting. So I would throw my hat into the horizon forbidden West Wing. Um, Homerism, maybe, I don't know. Blatant love and obsession for post-apocalyptic and dinosaur fusion into games, definitely. But I love this game. I loved getting more of Aloy's story. Graphically, it's one of the best-looking console games I've ever seen in my entire life. The The narrative and the world-building that they've expanded on from Zero Dawn is really great. Soundtrack's good. The voice acting, you know, Ashley Birch as Aloy is phenomenal. I'm excited for where they've sort of set the story to go for the inevitable third game in the series. And the combat's tight. The mechanical dinosaurs are phenomenal. They're varied in aesthetic and how you attack them and how they come at you and it's just a stunning fun brilliant game and it's got so much polish and i spent so many hours in the photo mode for the first time in my entire life like i reckon i've put probably 10 hours into photo mode into this game as well as mainlining the the main game and, and focusing on those quests as well and it's just great and testament to gorilla and to Sony for you know just showing so much love and care to that franchise. But um, my honorable mention goes to a game that you both listed as your game of the year so far, and we're talking about From Software's Elden Ring. So who wants to start this discussion off? Miss Hart, maybe, maybe you started off because you're new to this genre as far yeah. as enjoying it. And that's why I'm that's why I'm listing it. I've actually put a question mark at the end of it because like <laughs> Uh, this is one of those things where it's like, first of all, it's a game, uh, a game style that I would have never played. I would have never approached this kind of thing because I'm, I hate repetition, says the Destiny fan, um, and I hate like, like, like just instant deathing. I, I like, I hate it when I don't feel like any kind of reward. But this game was able to captivate me. It was able to draw me in. It was, it was able to expose me to this like game style that I'm normally shy away from and I was in awe of it and um, even when I stopped playing I still wanted to learn more about it I start, kept watching videos I kept reading lore I kept on reading about like different play styles and other things that people secretly found so um, although like I'm still kind of thinking that I might still have a game of the year later in the year um, I can sit here and still appreciate and respect what Elden Ring has done for not only me but just the gaming industry altogether um, and what they've put out there. And so, yeah, that's why Elden Ring's kind of sitting up there for me. I'm, I'm with you. Like, this is a genre that is not usually very kind to me and I'm not usually very kind to it as far as giving it my full time and effort because they're very difficult and punishing for me and they stress me out and then they make me angry and then I don't want to play because I can't <laughs> win at it in this timing, timing that I want to be feeling good and powerful. But... Elden Ring didn't always feel that way to me. Like when I started to work out movement and sort of telegraphing enemy attacks coming at you and learning how to parry or to roll or when to when to engage, when to sort of peel back, uh, it felt really good. I still have not finished the game, but I've you know I've made some good progress in it, and I will go back one day. It's back on my list, but you know I've got other things that are uh, occupying my time. 
But uh, I know James, you've uh, you've played quite a bit of not only this game, but you, you know you're a Souls fan in general and love yep. what From Software do. But what is it that uh, makes Elden Ring Game of the Year for you? Yeah. So um, yeah, just to be clear, I've I think I've finished Elden Ring twice and on the third playthrough. Jesus. Um, <laughs> Settle down. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, the, the developers will love me because I've bought it on Xbox. PlayStation and PC. Yeah. So, so that's, you know, I'm sort of one of those gamers that will support a developer if something just knocks it out of the park. And um, mm-hmm. uh, obviously another example of that would be Skyrim. I've bought that multiple times over the years with the various remasters and whatnot. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but um, Elden Ring brought um, some fresh air to the Souls uh, type games in terms of it being open world. Like it really was open world. If you were getting stuck on a boss, um, which obviously does happen quite a bit, uh, you could just you could just go in a different direction and um, and explore and sort of slowly level your way up and then and then take have a crack at taking on the boss or summoning some help to take on the boss. Um, I think the law that uh, you know George R. R. Martin had had a um, a play a, a a play in this and sort of wrote wrote the law and um i think it, it sort of shows it's quite it's quite well done it's quite different from dark souls uh in terms of how it handles it the graphics are great um could have been optimized a little bit better perhaps for console um but it, it still does a pretty good job um yeah i just i found the, the variety of the classes and and all, all the things you could do with the different weapons and the different spells and whatnot just really engaging um, obviously enough for me to go back um, and yeah some of the boss fights just like the souls games were pretty amazing it's like the character model designs and the and it's just insane um, so I think it's it's right up there it's I think it's done so well because it is definitely more accessible than the original mm. souls games yeah. I've played um, all of them bloodborne uh, dark souls one to three um, so I've I know how hard Dark Souls is compared to this. Um, even going back to Dark Souls after I finished my first playthrough of Elden Ring, I'm going, wow, I've gotten used to Elden Ring too much, you know, because I was just <laughs> dying all the time. Um, and I think because it's not linear, I think that's what what made it so good. Uh, you, you know, you didn't, you weren't forced to go a particular way. Um, you had many different ways to go. So. Yeah, it's 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 a game that encompasses, I think, the word epic better than most. Like the yeah. the scale, yeah. not only the map, but the the freedom that you mentioned there, James, and then just the sheer size of some of these enemies you face. Like everything comes at you hard and fast in a big, big way. And yeah, you can feel powerless one second, then just move to another area of the map and level up and, and hone your skills a bit and then come back and feel a little less powerless. And it's it's a really good game. I really enjoy it. Like it's it's not a not a game type that, that Ali and myself are uh, aficionados at like yourself, James. Yep. Three times running through now, you, you're a madman. But like... Third times in VR, actually. Oh my Ooh. God. It's a VR mod by Luke Ross. Um, oh my God. And you can switch between like the standard third person type camera or a modified third person or a first person camera. And the first person camera is pretty nuts with the combat, I have to say. So you're better off probably playing in third person. But 
um, you can switch on the fly. So it's very easy to sort of, if you just want to explore, you can go first person and it's pretty cool. Yeah, I was going to say like doing like first person and then being in some of those environments, like, yeah, there's the gritty, nasty stuff, but there are some beautiful locations that they have. And I could only imagine how amazing it must be to be immersed in there in first person VR. Yeah, no, stunning. It, it's really, really good. Um, I won't lie, though, you do need a reasonable PC like my PC keeps up, but it could be better, you know, and, it, and I'm yeah. running at 3070. So obviously when you're having to do VR and do two two sets of the same image to do the stereoscopic, it's going to hit your PC pretty hard. So. Yeah, my God. It would be a treat to view through VR, but just those deaths would feel even more painful, I'd imagine. Yeah. Imagine like the little <laughs> hand coming oh, at you. Oh, the hand spiders. <laughs> oh, they're, they're the worst. They, yeah. Even my wife laughs at me every time I come across those because I'm just, oh. Yeah. <laughs> they're horrible, but like- I'm out. The, the nightmare fuel that exists in that game and it's just such a stark contrast like what Ali said there as far as you're standing on some cliff sides and just just in complete awe of the vista in front of you and how beautiful it is and then yeah you, then you get a freaking hand spider that kills you or some other oh. demon beast that looks like and they're so damn quick those hand yeah. spiders oh, but I can't and believe they from the things yeah or the but it's great and yeah from soft they deserve all the praise they're getting. Like I was looking earlier on Metacritic as far as the, the highest rated video games of 2022 by, by score so far. And the three different release, obviously PC, Xbox and PlayStation, they have like three of the four highest rated um, scores on Metacritic so wow. far. So, so they've got well 75% of the top scores on uh, Metacritic at uh, time of recording. And yeah, well-deserved. Like it's awesome. It's great. It's punishing. And it's it's for for more casual fans like us for this genre. Yeah, it's accessible in a way. Kind yeah, of. Yeah, the, <laughs> the the multiplayer community with the randoms and whatnot. Um, they they've always been pretty good, actually. Even in Dark Souls and Bloodborne, we've you've always had pretty good uh, experiences. You know, it's not very toxic at all. P- people are are quite happy to help you out generally, and sometimes. Um, I noticed with Elden Ring, though, sometimes if you invite too many people, it it buffs up the enemy, and um, it becomes harder in some in some ways. So, okay. Yeah. So Radan, which is one of the bosses, is a good example of that. Um, I, I tried to invite a few people in, uh, and and just got my ass kicked because they don't allow you to use your horse, your your, <laughs> your spirit, your steed, when you've invited people in. So you're on foot and trying to avoid these lightning fast arrows that are coming at you and uh in the end i managed to uh, i did defeat him once with one person and and once on my own and i I sort of found it easier on my own because i could just stay on horseback and keep circling Mm -hmm. and wearing him down that way yeah i am i'm certainly going to when i eventually do return to this this world again i will be calling on your services to to carry me you can be you can be the Australian version of Let Me Solo Her and yeah. you, can, uh, okay. you can carry me to success and I will gladly just <laughs> hide in the corner and uh, watch you go to town. No, I think the more likely scenario is I'll die first and you'll be standing there holding your sword and going, yeah. what the heck am I yeah. going to do now? <laughs> Help! <laughs> but uh, as far as some other love from the nation, yeah, like uh, Limo and Jono also both uh, had Horizon Forbidden West as their current game of the years tilby uh gave a bit of love to gran turismo 7 mm. uh, 
you know, I'm I'm not a big GT fan. I, I admire and respect the the work that that franchise has put in over the years, and it is still one of the best sims in the world. But I have certainly gravitated more towards Forza the last several years. And then Nobu gave some love to Vampire Rising. Obviously, the surprise little PC hit that everyone yeah. can't talk enough about all over the internet. I still haven't love played it. a minute of it, but I've watched a few guys yeah. streaming. Yeah. All right, so let's uh, let's let's turn our lens and look look outwards here, James and Ali, and we'll we'll talk about what we're looking forward to that's still to come in 2022. Obviously, that's with an asterisk. There could be delays. There could be uh, slippages well, yeah. on dates, and these could fall into 2023 and beyond. But uh, Miss Hart, do you want to let us know what you're looking forward to watching that's still to come in 2023, or maybe some things that uh, you're just looking forward to watching that you haven't checked out yet? Well, there's, everyone knows there's a list of things that I still need to watch. Um, so I'm looking forward to Clerks 3. I'm a big Clerks fan. I'm a person who likes Clerks 2. I like Clerks 2 as well. It was We're far and few between. Everyone seems to poo-poo on that one. Um, I enjoyed it. So I'm looking forward to Clerks 3 and seeing a lot of the like characters from Clerks 2 come back and just like a lot of references also from Clerks 1. Um, and just like seeing like the real world struggles that they're trying to throw in there and kind of hitting back on Clerks 1 and doing homage to like realizing your dreams and being a small you know movie creator and stuff like that so I, I i look forward to it i hope it's i hope it turns out well um and i'm assuming it's probably going to be the the cap to the clerks you know trilogy um so i'm looking forward to that um and then andor got um announced for the star wars series kind of stuff um i, I hope it's good unfortunately kenobi didn't keep me um, and Book of Boba Fett mm, was kind of rough. <laughs> the trailer that they dropped this past week for Andor, though, looks phenomenal. And Rogue yeah. One's one of the best pieces of Star Wars. Yes. It, it is. That they've made. Yep. Yes. Yep. Post-original trilogy, um, Rogue One is it in my yeah. books. Yeah. Yeah, yes. no, 100%. The only Star Wars movie that made me cry. And, um, yeah, I've got to catch up on all the other stuff. So I've still got to watch Umbrella Academy, obviously Stranger Things. Um, I started watching The Boys, so then I have to catch up on the current season of The Boys. And um, my little personal – oh, and Barry. I have still haven't watched the recent season of Barry. And uh, for my own personal thing is um, a show called Bosch that no one really knows about, but that one's oh, for me. Oh, I've seen Bosch. Yeah. Oh, you, oh my God! I yeah. have someone to talk yeah. about Bosch with. Yeah, oh yeah. my God! <laughs> I, I um I haven't watched all of uh, Bosch Legacy yet, which is. Oh no! I don't even know about that. Oh, oh no. okay. Okay, so I haven't I haven't watched the most recent season of Bosch. So if Bosch Legacy is a spin-off of that, I don't Correct. know about it's it yet. Se- so. It's a sort of a sequel to season seven, I think. Um, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very cool. It's still got Bosch in it, thankfully. Um, Thank gosh. Yeah. 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 He's a Such great a character. character. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's like this one series that I absolutely love and I've got no it, one to talk it's about. It's so with underrated. It. No one ever talks it really about is. it. It really is. It's like is. one of the best shows on Amazon Prime and no one, it, and, and you'd like it, uh, Brendan. It's got Lance Reddick in it. So. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was. It, quite interesting um, with my Destiny connections and like having Savala and then hearing him talking about hard drugs and all that yeah, sort yeah. of stuff in this show. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, it's this a is bit, really weird. He, yeah, no, he, he's been around and been in those sort of cop shows before, hasn't he? Uh, yeah. The Wire, I think it was. 
Um, yeah, I still can't disconnect him from Fringe. That's what I always think oh, of Lance yeah. Reddick from. Yeah, yeah. Never watched the Fringe. Oh, well, yeah, great, sweet, great science now, fiction. There you go, listeners. You got two endorsements for Bosch. Watch it. Well, like, and I think like you look at it like these streamers would not keep making new seasons if it wasn't getting views and rated well. Like you said, there's seven seasons so far yep. plus this spinoff. So that's you know, there's yep. a lot of loyal Bosch fans out there. We're out. Yeah, just, no, there's no dozens of us. Dozens. <laughs> I've only uh, read a couple of the books, actually. Michael Connolly wrote all. So the the series keeps pretty closely from what I've read to to the books. So that's why it's so good. I'm so. wondering if I should read the books. Yeah, yeah, I think you should. They're worth reading, mm. definitely. Okay, I'll Here's have to a, look into them. Mm. James, what about you? What are you looking forward to watching? Uh, for the remainder of 2022 that's yet to come or maybe some things from this year that you haven't uh, been able to catch up on yet with? Yeah, so I haven't caught up on uh, Like Ali, Like the Boys, Season 3. I've got to still watch. Uh, I've heard it's um, pretty entertaining and pretty over the top. Um, the Terminal List, which came out recently with Chris Pratt, uh, apparently it's a it's an excellent sort of action thriller C- uh, TV show. So got to give that a bit of a crack. Um, I'd Started to segue into this earlier, but Reacher season two, I can't wait for that that to come. Um, mm-hmm. Movies I'm really keen to see: uh, uh, Beast, which is like a yes. monster, monster movie about a, an aggressive lion. Kind of think of Jaws in Africa, and you probably got sort of some 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 sense of what what it's about. Have either of you watched The Ghost in the Darkness? Yes. Did you ever watch that lion yes. film, which is based off a true story about two two male yeah. lions that uh, were killing a lot of people as they were trying to build a railroad through Africa? It is so good. It is. It holds up well too. Um, Val Kilmer too, by the way. And Young Michael Val Kilmer. Douglas. Yeah, yeah. So um, two really good actors and and I agree. It's, it's another one of those underrated um, monster movies. Uh, Rogue, the Australian movie Rogue about yeah, the crocodile. crocodile. Yeah, yeah, that's another one that's really up there. If you haven't checked it out, uh, Avatar: The Way of Water. I'm curiously optimistic. Oh. Um, being Mister Optimism here, um, I'm, I want to see what they do with the 3D tech here. I guess that's more my my draw because from what I've read, James Cameron's trying to introduce some sort of new 3D tech into the cinemas where you don't need 3D glasses, um, so you'll just be watching it, and it'll be in 3D. In, and it's not the pop-out 3D of the old days. It's more like giving depth. you depth. Yep. Oh, okay. Um, so I think it. I don't know if that's going to come to Australia, but Ali, you might, you might be able to see it in the in the US because they're definitely. He's trying very hard to get some of these uh, project, well, not projectors, they're like digital projectors now, I suppose, uh, to, to, to be able to do that. But I am I'm concerned about the story a little bit based on what we've seen so far. Yeah. Um, I did like the original, though. I'm not saying it was like up there with Aliens or the original Terminator, but it was a good, it was a good movie and a good use of 3D. Um, and finally, I think it's out now or... Just dropped. Just, just dropped yesterday. Yeah, The Sandman. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I haven't read the graphic novels, but we do have them here because my wife loves graphic novels and my wife loves The Sandman. So I guess if it um, if it ends up being good and Neil Gaiman's had a lot to do with this series, so, let, you know, fingers crossed, um, I'm hoping it'll be really entertaining and quite good. I'm excited. Like I've I've got 
the the graphic novels. I love them. I adore them. It's some of Neil Gaiman's best work, in my opinion. And from what I've seen from the reviews, I haven't watched a, a minute of it outside of the trailers. They're saying this is one of the most faithful, like page to screen adaptations that exists oh, in awesome. anything. They're saying that they've pretty much just taken panels from the from the graphic novels and just converted it to screen and they said it's brilliant like there's you know nines tens out of tens i'm seeing around the place like everyone is very very excited for it and that's going to be my sunday i'm going to start digging into the sandman on netflix on sunday and i cannot wait for it because the the media hype seems to be very very uh very real and and sounds very appropriate considering the the review scores it's getting at the moment yeah and and neil gaiman i think it's also been um pretty praising of it as well so he's like you know how some authors kind of don't say anything because they're being mm. polite well um you know at least you know you see on the socials neil gaiman saying hey this is this is you know pretty good and i'm very very happy with how it turned out sort of thing so yeah i, I still feel bad for him with how mucked up american gods got like uh, with the, the constant churn like when brian fuller left and some of the cast left and then writers are in and out and yeah we managed to get three seasons and it ended on a, like the store the the main story is still not finished on the show but it's since oh, been cancelled no. so it ends on a big cliffhanger and i've read the book and it's great yeah and me too. i want more of it because that fever dream god's old and new yeah. battle for the ages. Yeah. It's just brilliant on screen. Like the the first season is some of the prettiest television I've ever seen. Like Brian Fuller just makes visually pleasing scenes and he nailed it with American Gods and then it just got chucked in the scrap heap. Yeah, to be honest, I've only seen most of season one. I haven't even finished season one because I got so despondent when, you know, they weren't releasing more, you know, like, mm. and so it's sort of like, uh, if they're not going to finish it properly, I is there any real point to watching season two and three? You know what I mean? So I'm a I, sucker for punishment. Once, yeah. once I'm in and I, I can't, knowing that I'm going to get hurt, that it's been canned, I'll still watch it all because I just oh, okay. need it all in my veins. So oh, that's good. You can let me know how bad or good it is then. Season two is not very good. Season three is better, but season one is the best at okay. all. all right. Yeah. Because they recast so many characters, which makes me sad. Like Gillian Anderson leaves after season one and she's one of the best parts of that show. Yeah. So that's that's always sad. Yeah. Um, things I'm looking forward to watching, Nope. Obviously it's out in the States. It's not out here for another week or so, which is the new Jordan Peele horror film. Uh, it looks fantastic. It's getting reviewed really, really well. I'm excited for some of that. Another one that's... Uh, it hasn't got a lot of media hype at the moment, but I think it will come closer to releases. The new film by George Miller, obviously uh, most notably, uh, most known for Mad Max, you'd say. And uh, 3,000 Years of Longing is the film that's coming out. And that's got Idris Elba and Tilda Swanson in it, where Idris Elba plays a djinn or a genie, if you uh, want to sort yeah, of yeah. Uh, yep. compare it to that. And it's sort of... Um, so. Tilda opens opens up the, the gin bottle and obviously you get wishes from the gin, but typically the main difference between a gin and a genie is the gin sort of plays with the wordplay of what the wishes you command. You constantly get screwed by the gin. And so he's not only going back through the thousands of years of his life and sharing stories and things like that, but then also looking forward and, and working with Tilda. And the trailer looks great. It is a trip of a trailer. And then uh, the last one is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. We got the trailer for, for Ryan Coogler's follow-up to the first Black Panther film. I'm very curious to see what they do there. Obviously, Chadwick, the 
the unfortunate passing of him has sort of changed and had to redirect what they're doing with this franchise. But the trailer looks stunning and there's a lot of care and love in this franchise. And I'm excited to see what they do with that because this is going to be another step forward for this, uh, you know, phase four, five and six with Marvel. And it just looks the goods and we get that in 2022. So plenty of things to watch there to look forward to, I think, on our list there, wouldn't you say? Oh yeah, yeah, very much so. I um I did see the trailer without three thousand years of longing, and I I must admit it slipped my mind. But now that you've brought it up again, I'm like, yeah, that's I am looking forward to that. Um, I haven't seen many of Jordan Peele's films. I haven't like haven't seen like Get Out yet, which apparently is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it. What was the other one? Us. Us, Us. was the other one. Yep. Yep. I like so Us. I'll have to I catch up on those. I think. Yeah. yeah, no, he, he, the way, the way he shoots and the storytelling he does, it's done through a very different and unique lens. And, um, yeah, he's very talented. I didn't think his, uh, you know, sequel loose adaptation of the Candyman was as good as people hyped it up to be, oh, yeah. but, oh, yeah. um, he does some good things, uh, Mr. Peel. So I'm excited for note because it sounds like it's just about the best thing he's done so far. So we'll see. Uh, wanted to know as well, what would be your dream headline or announcement for 2022? So in the next four months, what would be the headline that would make you fist bump like there's no tomorrow? Miss Hart, I'm going to throw it to you first. What would mine- be the dream announcement to get you grooving? Um, mine is just due to PlayStation kind of throwing a lot of their old titles um, back into the universe. So I kind of just hope that they are going to do a remake of Buster Groove. Um completely irrelevant no one else probably knows it's a dance game from like early playstation era i loved it it was all my life i recited every song i had a cd that i burnt that had all the songs on it so i'm just kind of hoping that maybe it will come back um and i will be able to play it again because i loved it um and then i kind of just also threw in like a silent hill announcement maybe so that 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 would be did you did you play the original Silent Hill? Uh, the original Silent Hill, yes. Yes, yeah. but only partially. I don't think I ever finished it because I, I mean, think I'm it was trying, like someone I'm else's. I'm trying to remember it, but I definitely played it. I don't know if I ever finished I'm it. I'm also a fan of the movie. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Rada Mitchell, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Rada Mitchell, Sean Bean. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's been a while. <laughs> It's yeah. a great movie. Well, it it's was, good for what it is, yeah. One of the better game adaptations to screen, that's for sure. I think they did a better job with um, Silent Hill, um, like making a genuinely scary movie based on a scary game um, and making it very violent and everything like that as opposed to like kind of what happened with like Resident Evil. So. Yeah, that, that skin scene outside of the church, that's still one of the best kill scenes in on screen that I've seen in I don't know how long. It's, yeah. it's phenomenal. And... <laughs> Yeah, it was Buster Groove, were some of the characters, like, they mix, like, human characters. Then, like, almost, like, were they humans dressed in crazy, like, alien suits that you could pick to have as your avatar in that game as well? No, like, the, like everyone was kind of larger than life and had their own, like, kind of character right. and style and everything like that. There was an alien character that you kind of had to go against at the end. There was also the two aliens called Capoeira, and their dance move was Capoeira, and you would dance, like, a battle them on there. As I'm saying this, I'm like, what an idiot. Um <laughs> You battle them, but everyone else had their kind of larger than life um, aesthetic, and it was it was just lots of fun for a rhythm game. 
Yeah, it was it was a cracker. I know it sort of was in and around the same time as like Parappa the Rapper is the, the yeah. main rhythm game from the early Sony days that I still remember and, and appreciate. But I remember playing a couple of, couple of rounds of Buster Groove back in the day. Was I very good? No, because I don't have any rhythm, but uh, it was fun. <laughs> I enjoyed my time. Uh, my, my quick headline that would make me very excited uh, to round out the year is finally getting that Dino Crisis remake that I harp on about seasonally on this damn podcast like capcom are churning through resident evil remakes and remasters like there's no tomorrow please bring regina and her team back to the screen in 4k with a reimagined story and new mechanics please 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 that would be my headline that's that's all i want as far as a headline to, to make 2022 even better very good yep i uh, I, I assume that's why you like uh horizon zero dawn and the sequel so much yeah 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 and anything to do with dinosaurs i'm usually like giving it a good amount of attention regardless if it's going to be good or bad but when it's when it's good it becomes great for me because uh horror and video games and dinosaurs in that brendan melting pot is just tick 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 for me so you like Jurassic Park and Jurassic World, I take it as well? Yeah, Jurassic Park's my favourite movie of all time. Oh, there I you am, go. Uh, <laughs> not ashamed to say that. Uh, I, it's it's the best. And it's it holds up to this day. You know, it's it's it a 20-year-old movie and it's still brilliant. So, uh, yeah. James, what about you? What's what's the your dream headline or announcement that uh, would be the cherry on top of your 2022? Yeah, look, I'm going to go out on a limb here in terms of tech and um, put a wish out there to the universe that... Um, they bring back consumer 3D for TVs uh, because I'm a 3D nut. I've, I had a 3D TV for years and years and years, um, but then obviously it phased out in favour of 4K and HDR and Dolby Vision, uh, so, which is great, by the way, for gaming, don't get me wrong. But when it comes to watching movies in 3D, oh, it's so good on a, on a 3D TV or 3D screen. Uh, so I would love, I, I guess I'm sort of, that's part of the reason why I'm trying to be cautiously optimistic about Avatar Way of Water is I'm hoping James Cameron actually starts the trend again since mm-hmm. he did that pretty much back in 2019 with Avatar uh, and 3D becomes popular again. What surprised me um, the other day was that 3D movies are still, are still they still come out. Like uh, Love and Thunder apparently came out in 3D in some cinemas over in the States, apparently. Um, I can't, I'm not in the States. Ali, did you see, have you ever seen see a- any advertisements for it in 3D? Mm, interesting. So it might've so, been really select theatres. It might've been really select, yeah. So it's interesting that they still release the odd movie uh, in 3D in the cinema, but they don't then convert it to a 3D Blu-ray. So that's obviously where a lot of my love has come from, the 3D Blu-rays in the day. Um, and VR, by the way, is another good way to, to watch that. So even the reason I still watch 3D now is because I basically can watch it via my VR headset via a virtual cinema. Um, so even if I don't have um, effectively, you know, the 3D TV anymore, I can still still watch my 3D movies. So how, how do you go with that, James? Like, do you start to get a little bit of nausea? watching like have you got sort of a a threshold as far as you can comfortably sit and play or watch for two hours and you need to take a break or are you just that attuned now to to that extra immersion that you're immune 
I've always been pretty good with VR, actually. I think there's only been one time, one game where I've had a slight bit of vertigo, maybe. And then um, apart from that, I'm great. See, uh, uh, VR, uh, the best experiences in VR are things like where you're sitting down and you're actually not artificially moving. Mm -hmm. So if you're sitting in a virtual cinema and you're looking around and you see other people in you know, other people's avatars sitting there, if you're using uh, an app like big screen um, TV, you don't, you won't, you won't get sick because you, you're kind of just sitting there and you're not, your body's moving with you, right? Yeah, it's 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 sinking that trickery to make you Correct. feel that you're there as opposed to that, yeah. that disconnect into a fantasy universe. Yeah, and racing games are, are similarly another good thing in, in VR because you're sitting in a cockpit usually, you're not moving around. And so... And it's, it's, but yeah, I'm one of the lucky ones that doesn't get motion sickness when it comes to VR. We're very jealous, Miss Hart. We are very jealous. (laughs) I get motion sickness playing just a normal game. I got motion sickness playing uh, some game the other day. I can't remember what it was. I just got motion sickness. I'm like, God, how old am I? (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm I'm grateful in a way that, because like growing up, I, you know, gaming was a big thing for me. Um, obviously, whether it be um, role playing or or computer gaming, as it improved, um, I attempted sports several times, and let's just say I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> and even now, when I play uh, real golf uh, from time to time, I'm still not very good at it. But at least I'm getting some exercise. So yeah, I've always enjoyed um, the 3D. So I'm grateful that I, I can I can watch it. It's, it's nice to see that the film and the gaming or the TV, you know, just the creative industries have not abandoned that tech and they're still pushing forward with 3D and VR and yeah. we're starting to see those leaps and bounds and it becoming more commercialised, which, yeah, gives us hope that uh, everyone's going to be experiencing VR in some regard in the future and we're all going to be living our Ready Player One lives uh, yeah. collectively in our pods in the coming years, That's I'd right. imagine. Get, Bring get it on. The artificial gravity sort of treadmills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, that'd be something. Uh, as far as uh, video games, we've only got, what, four months left, give or take. Uh, I want to know what you guys are looking forward to playing that's still on track at time of recording for a 2022 release. I'll uh, chuck it over to you, Miss Hart. We've got some bleed, I think, collectively between the three of us here, so we can sort uh-huh. of jump in and and share some thoughts as to why on, on a few of those collective games. But Miss Hart, what, uh, what's on your radar for uh, between now and December 31? Game I feel like I've been waiting for for years. Um, years? Yeah, years. Um, yes. Is Scorn. Um, the amazing like body horror-looking space exploration kind of uh, first-person action game that um, is due for, is it September or October? September? October the 21st. October. So um, I'm looking forward to that. I hope it's just grisly yeah. <laughs> and sickening. And yeah, I just, I, I really hope that it is, it, it makes some people uncomfortable because that's what I, it appeals to me about this game. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that one. <laughs> yeah, James, you've got this on your list as well. Why, why are you looking forward to Scorn? Well, probably similar reasons to Ali, but it also feels very HR Geiger like yeah. you know and that that's why i'm definitely keen for it because obviously he did all the modeling for the original alien um and i just it looks very very creepy like very it does look like it makes you 
like even watching the trailers makes you feel uncomfortable. So being able to play in that universe. I mean, I'm also secretly, I know they haven't announced anything like this, but if it's coming, it is coming to PC, I believe, isn't it? So yeah, yep. I'm hoping they release a VR mod for it. Oh my God. <laughs> oh yeah, get in there. <laughs> get in there. <laughs> yeah. uh. The sound design, like in the trailers as well, just all the, like the sloshing and the gut yeah. squelchies and, and stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. With headphones on, it's going to be terrifying for sure. Um, yeah, so yeah, good. pretty keen. Is it a triple A? It's more a double A, isn't it's, it? It's a double it's, A. Yeah. yeah. So Eb, Eb Software are the developer behind it, and they're, they're not a big big studio by any means, but they mm. seem to have nailed this body horror, mm. nightmare fuely, creepy, just uncomfortable vibe. Like I think. You both mentioned that word. I think that's probably the best way to describe this game. Like it's it's gonna be scary at times, but I think it's primarily just gonna be just a gross, unsettling experience that's gonna make you feel a little uncomfortable or a lot uncomfortable because we don't see a ton of combat in the trailers. They haven't given us a ton of no. um, variety in the slice. They've shown no. the the universes and some of the crazy models and interacting with things to open up doors with like it's just a whole whole trip like it's yeah it's geiger it's clive barker it's just real creepy heebie-jeebie stuff and yeah i think collectively we're all for it uh come 21st of october yeah it's also coming to game pass too yeah day one day one yeah. on game pass which too is easy. awesome uh miss hart what else we got another one here that uh we're shared between the three of us it seems the the three uh horror horror buffs here uh looking forward to <laughs> yeah, similar, similar things. <laughs> yeah uh Callisto protocol it looks gross it looks scary it's in space it's awesome <laughs> like that um that trailer that they released was it was it e was it e3 that we saw that really we saw the one games with fest. um at games fest and then saw a bit of a deeper dive at the xbox bethesda showcase That's as well right. yeah and just like getting to witness not only seeing the gameplay and the ui that they've kind of developed for the game but just the gruesome nature of this game um uh it, it was fantastic uh i loved everything that they kind of added within the um like the holographic projections of showing you kind of like what happened in the past and everything mm -hmm. as well um yeah this one this one looks rough it's got to be honest it has to be a great um one of the better games that have like kind of come into my you know like awareness and yep. then just gone from zero to oh my god this looks amazing like so yep. quickly yeah it looks really good it's coming out on the 2nd of december striking distance studios are behind this and it's funny because this this looks like the next evolution of dead space thanks to glenn schofield who was the creator of dead space back in the day yeah but then obviously we've got the dead space remake coming out next year that, yeah. that no one seems to be caring too much about comparative to the callisto protocol because this game is just space horror nightmare fuel dialed up to 11 and it looks gruesome and grisly and terrifying and i can't wait to get killed by all kinds of horrible beasties in all kinds of horrible ways and it's it's the perfect table setting before a nice family-based christmas like uh yeah. let's go james what's uh what's tickling your pickle regarding uh callisto protocol well, similar to you, I, I, I really liked the original Dead Space. I thought the original Dead Space was just right up there in terms of storytelling um, and UI. Um, you know, the UI is very minimal. You know, the health was on the backpack, all that sort of stuff. Um, I felt they deviated probably due to, um, you know, publisher demand or whatever. They started going into action territory with the sequels. 
Um, so it became less about survival horror and more about um, a little bit more on the action side. You, you know. mm-hmm. And when I heard that, you know, the co-creator uh, was doing a, a, a proper Dead Space type game, I was like, ooh, this is interesting. And I agree, uh, the remake, Dead Space remake, apparently is coming late January. So, yeah. you know, it's it's within a month of Callisto Protocol coming out. So it will be... I have a feeling, and you know, we can't, we don't know for sure, of course, but just my opinion, my my gut, my gut's telling me that Callisto Protocol is probably going to be more like the original Dead Space than the remake. Yeah, yeah, I I think you're right. I think that's the possibility of happening. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to look at these two games three months in and see one how they've been perceived in the market, two how many units have been moved of both titles, and then three. Uh, yeah, which game has done Dead Space better, I guess, is, is in, a, <laughs> yeah, in a roundabout kind of way. But uh, <laughs> I can't wait. And the fact that, yeah, we're getting it in December is is fantastic. Miss Hart, you've got a couple more on, on this list that uh, got, you, yeah. got your eyes on? I'll just shoot through these ones. Splatoon 3 coming out. Been waiting for kind of a refresher for Splatoon. It does look like much of the same, but I'm just I'm looking forward to kind of being back in that universe and being amongst that hype again. Um, uh, Metal Hellsinger uh, was the rhythm shoot'em game in what looks to be hell um, with an amazing uh, array of metal bands and metal singers coming together for the soundtrack. So um, the see, demo of that was amazing. Did you see that uh, with Gamescom next month, I think, or later this month, I don't know, I think it's later this month, I think the back end of August, I've actually got some of the 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 musical talents from Metal Helsing are coming to play a live show no while way. showcasing the game. So they've got Matt Heafy <sighs> and um, the the female singer from Arc Enemy and a couple yeah. other bands all coming together to do a concert in parallel with Metal Hellsinger at uh, that's Gamescom. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I this game was brilliant when I saw it and I'm just like, oh, this is just me. It's rhythm, it's shooter, you're playing a hellish demon and there's like metal bands in the background. This is brilliant. So um, definitely looking forward to that one. And just throwing in Overwatch 2. Uh, for the most part, I did say Overwatch 2 beta felt like Overwatch anyway, um, but like much with Splatoon, um, just kind of get back in there and getting uh you know the community arrived back up and having uh what made the original overwatch experience fun and enjoyable with friends so those are mine yeah i'm excited for overwatch 2 and i'm excited that it's obviously shifted to a free-to-play model so i'm curious to see how that's going to evolve over the coming months and years but it was always fun to get in a little hero shooter together and, and roll around so I'll dip a toe in that in between uh, many of these other games that are Everything dropping as well. Else. <laughs> yeah. So many. And it's good because, like, you think of the, the release landscape at the start of the year. It's pretty barren at the back end of the year where we didn't have a ton of games confirmed for 2022. And now we've got a, a good assortment of, of big and small games to, to keep us occupied into next year. James, you got a couple other games on your list as well that you're uh, keen to give a spin for later yeah. this year. Yeah, yeah. So, um, VR, obviously, uh, once again. Uh, Red Matter 2, which is a first-person puzzle uh, exploration-type game set in a Ooh. Cold War-ish-type universe uh, in space. It's sort of... I don't want to give it away because for those of you who haven't played Red Matter 1, um, probably best not to. But, yeah, technically, this looks um, this looks really impressive. It's using a heavily modified version of un- the Unreal Engine. I'm not sure which version, but 
I suspect it's four, not five. Um, it looks amazing. And even the standalone Quest 2 version looks graphically impressive. Uh, so it's out um, towards the end of this month, actually. So August 18th. Uh, so that, uh, there's a PC VR and Quest 2 version coming. Uh, there's not a lot out about this one or announced about this one, but EA are swearing black and blue that it's coming out this year in December, uh, a new Need for Speed game. So I'm not even cautiously optimistic about this one, but I do <laughs> like I do like what some of the Need for Speed games, particularly some of the classics ones, like they, re, they remastered Need for Speed Hot Pursuit from 2010-11 and that I still like that game. I still think it's a pretty good arcade Need for Speed game. Effectively, though, there's not a lot. There's not even a title announcement yet. So I'm kind of, I reckon it'll probably be a shift to 2023. But anyway, if it comes out 2022, I might, might end up playing it. So that'll be good. And then um, Plague Tale Requiem, which is out in November, I think. I'm sorry. October the 18th for, Ooh, for Requiem. So it's not far away at all. And obviously day one on Game Pass 2. Yep, which is um, which is great. And I did finish and I played and finished the first one. It is one of those unsettling type games again in mm-hmm. parts. There's actually very somber tone. Um, yeah, quite depressing at times. But it's a good story, good characters, um, interesting game mechanics, that's for sure. Um I did struggle in one game mechanic part at the end, which I won't go into, but managed to eventually get get through it. So, yeah, looking forward to the sequel. It looks like um, they're going to enhance the mechanics, game mechanics a bit more and provide us a deeper dive into the two main characters. So. Yeah. yeah, it looks like Amicia, she can move a lot more freely. Like it was a little yeah. rigid and stiff at times, like mm. almost like tanky and floaty when you're trying to navigate her in the first game. But it looks like she's a little little bit more swift on, on the feet now and which combat kind of seems to be more stealth, fluid. Yeah, <laughs> which, which I'm excited for. Because yeah, the, the story that they're telling in, in the original and with the sequel is fantastic and it's very unique. And I like that it's only a six month follow on from, from the original, as far as the the time jump with the game and it just looks awesome. And I can't wait to play it. And yeah, a Sobo studio who, who sort of head this one up have done really well. And it's uh, yeah, it's got me excited. Like uh, another October release. So we've got that on the 18th then scorn on the 21st. So I've got to finish Plague Tale really, really quick before I can jump in and get really, really freaked out and grossed out in scorn. So I'm going to have a, going to have a busy October and then I can rest for a couple of weeks because the other game I'm looking forward to is God of War Ragnarok, finally confirmed for a November 9th release. Yeah, Santa Monica Studios, obviously, are helming this bad boy, and I cannot wait to see what they're doing um, with with the continuation of Kratos' story and just the foreshadowing tied to the term Ragnarok. Obviously, uh, anyone that's familiar with Norse mythology knows just uh, how heavy told that word or that uh what that is referencing so i'm not going to go into any spoilers there but it looks great the combat looks like more of the same the storytelling is fantastic and it's just going to be gorgeous and brutal and heart-wrenching and emotional and i cannot wait to play that on uh, november the 9th uh sony exclusive i think it'll probably drop on pc a little bit later again but uh yeah console only for now but 
God of War Ragnarok is the other game I'm excited to play that is uh, still on track for a 2022 release. Touching wood uh, <laughs> that nothing changes for the games we mentioned. But uh, yeah, that brings us to the end of THG 294, our uh, re- reflective and then, uh, you know, wishing well type of uh, episode here where we've looked back and we're looking forward and hoping for for plenty more good things to come uh, via way of uh, gaming and the screen. James, mate, thank you so much for uh, being a part of this uh, bottle episode, you could say, of uh, THG. It's been an absolute pleasure to get you on board here. How's it feel to now have your first podcast in the books? Are you going to think of maybe starting your own? Are you going to you going to dabble more in this field or are you going to be just the the sort of the super sub that just gets called upon erratically here for uh, guest slots here and there? Yeah, look, uh, I, I thank you for having me on the on the show. Uh, you know, long-term listener, so it's great to actually be part of it. Um, yeah, I've I've have been toying around with the idea of possibly starting something, but um, time and real life tend to get in the way. So I think I'm probably more happy to, to jump on and be guest stars nice, <laughs> where nice. appropriate um, and just uh, keep obviously uh, attacking the socials, so to speak, and um, and doing a bit of writing here and there. But uh, that's yes. it. So so uh, where, where can listeners find your content, find you on the socials? The floor is yours to plug as little or as much as you're comfortable with. Go for it. Oh, well, thanks. Uh, so on the socials, I'm uh, on Twitter at, at JT Culverhouse. That's C-U-L-V-E-R-H-A-U-S-E. A bit of a joke on that one, actually. I'm old enough that I know the Mickey Mouse theme song. And when I used to teach at TAFE, the only way I could get people to remember my surname was to actually sing C-U-L-V-E-R-H-A-U-S-E Culverhouse. <laughs> That's <laughs> uh, the best. I love it. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm also on Facebook under under that name as well. Uh, and uh, jtcolverhouse.com, uh, you'll find me uh, on a not a very frequent written blog, I will be completely frank, but it's there. <laughs> it's there. It exists. You know, <laughs> yeah. You'll update that when you can, when you're not uh, busy playing games in VR, writing books and everything else that yeah. uh, that you got yourself uh, you know, well engrossed in. Yeah. Uh, you can obviously find myself at Brendan Ape. You can find us all as a whole at We Are 8-Bit, Miss Ali Hart, at Miss Ali Hart. Ali, you got anything else you want to shout out or mention before we look to uh, close this episode down for another week? Uh, no, I've got nothing. It was just great having you. And it's always nice, you know, having to, you know, have conversations on social and then actually getting to essentially meet people face to face. It's a bit harder for me now being in the States and not getting to go out as much to social events in Australia. But um, yeah, it's great having you. And thanks for joining us. Hopefully it it was all that it was you great. imagined it and, to be. <laughs> and, you know, good to meet you virtually as well. Yeah. And I uh, appreciate the, uh, the the levels of optimism you brought to the show. I'm usually, you know, pretty positive for the most part, but I think you've outdone me and outshone me in the in the in the optimism and the, the positivity sort of vein here on the show. So uh, we appreciate you bringing that tone along today too. That must be the the positive Paragon Shepherd side overtaking the Joel side. I think that compare that combined <laughs> with uh, three coffees to start the morning. I think uh, certainly put the pep yeah, in I'm that sure step. that had something to do with it too. <laughs> All right, listeners, uh, be sure to rate, you subscribe our podcast as well as all the podcasts you listen to on the regular on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Those ratings and reviews help keep the emotional lights on in our hearts. But I think it's time for us to uh, close this studio down. Uh, but Ape Nation, much love. You know how to say it, James. Stay hungry. 
You've been listening to The Hungry Gamers, one of many gaming and geek culture-related podcasts from the 8-Bit Collective over on 8bit.net. Check out more episodes on your podcast service of choice. And while you're there, please be sure to rate and subscribe. Until next time, boys and girls, stay hungry. Thank you.